This film is Lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian. I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. Look, some of us are lazy, all right? If by lazy you mean wrong. Prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide whether the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers. Because guess what? This film is lit. Harry delves into the past of the world's darkest wizard and navigates the complexities of teenage romance. It's Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to part six of this film is lit's Harry Potter series. We're on Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. We're done with breaks. Yeah. We're wrapping we're, it up. We're in the home stretch. Home stretch. I've been loving it. I've been really enjoying rereading them, but we're in the home stretch. We're doing Half Blood Prince, uh, Deathly Hollows Part 1, and then Deathly Hollows Part 2, and then Harry Potter is Finito. So, as our Harry Potter episodes tend to go, they're different. If you listen to our regular episodes, but a lot of people are here for the Harry Potter episodes, we don't have uh, our Guess Who games or our recaps or the Let Me Sum Up because we figure most people have either seen or read the book slash movies and if not why are you here but <laughs> not that saying you can't be but just you know makes sense you would either have read the book or seen the movie most people in the world have i don't know if most people but a lot of people in the world have uh, but we do have muggle questions that takes the place of was that in the book a lost in adaptation some of our normal series and our good friend trevor has been so kind as to volunteer his time and watch a little, all the movies along with us so he is the i haven't read the book person uh because we both have yes. obviously so harry is their stand-in for me uh, in this particular instance. So we're going to start with our first segment, Muggle Questions. Muggle. Non-magic folk. Brian, Katie, hello once again. Thank you for having me on This Film is Lit, Harry Potter edition. As always, I will start with my disclaimer. If I ask a question that is going to be answered later on, just tell me. I know we're getting toward the end, but it could still happen. Also, if I ask a question that's just really, really dumb, tell me that too. Let's get right into it. Why did Dumbledore purposefully transport Harry into a swamp? Seems like a really mean thing to do. This isn't in the book. Yeah, I'm, I don't know why the movie decided on that. The, well, because the setting of the burrow in the film is in like a in in the countryside, and they have like right. a marshy area. Yeah, kind of like or like a pond or something near there near the burrow, and Harry sort of I guess apparates into this bar marsh or whatever because in the book harry and, and dumbledore both show up to the burrow and dumbledore drops them off and they talk for a minute like it's not yeah. at all like it is in the movie so I, they just uh, i guess just for kind of silly sake i don't Silliness? know or are they just setting up that the swampy pond area is there introducing for it for later in the movie? movie that's a part of it too for sure introducing that there is this kind of marshy Again, it's not really yeah. a swamp necessarily, whatever, the, like a marshy area uh, near the burrow because we see it again later. So, I, yeah, that's not in the book at all. Why is Hermione always hanging out at the Weasleys? Why do we never see her at her parents' place? 
Uh, we never see her at home in the books either. No. Very little mention of her parents, but we yeah. do occasionally get mentioned. We know they're, and it gets mentioned again in this movie that they're dentists. Um, but yeah, we don't ever see her house or anything. And I mean, my thought is maybe Hermione doesn't want to subject her parents to hosting underage wizard boys. Yes. Because I wouldn't. <laughs> fair. Do that. It's fair. Do they ever explain what Dumbledore was doing to fight Voldemort like the first go around? Like he rose to power, then what? And if he was doing something, why didn't it work? He does a lot of the same stuff the first go around. That's when the Order of the Phoenix was first created, uh, mm -hmm. was uh, to fight Voldemort the first time around. Um, we get a little more backstory of it in the books where we see the picture in the movie of Mad-Eye. Yeah, uh, of, of the, the old order. The old order with the long bottoms and Mad-Eye and, and Lupin, you know, all, all the people that we know. Um, and then some more. And, and so they had this group... Um, the, the Order of Phoenix, and they were battling and doing what they could to mm -hmm. to stop Voldemort. They had no real answer. Um, they were just doing, you know, they had no chosen one at the time, because right. uh, which we'll get into later. But they were just kind of winging it and doing what they could to yeah. to battle the Death Eaters. All right, that's it for the first segment of Muggle Questions. We're gonna get in to the longest segment in these episodes, which is <laughs> uh, because as we are both book readers and book lovers uh, of this particular series. Uh, better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. So we have a lot. Not quite as much as some of the four and five, which got really lengthy. But this one's yeah, this there's a lot like, here. But I thought this one was, in my opinion, a better adaptation than I yes. felt like four and five were. I, I agree. There's some standout issues with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not the same sort of mess. Not that the other ones are necessarily a complete mess, but there's a lot of messy ends that the other that four and five don't really. I, right, after after watching six, I didn't feel the same way after I did after four yeah. and five, where I felt like I couldn't imagine following that having yeah. not read the book. Right. I didn't feel that way after six. No, I feel like you could mostly follow it. Now I, we'll see. That I think that changes a bit with the seven part one and part mm -hmm. two from my memory of watching these movies years ago with Trevor and him going, I didn't understand anything that just <laughs> happened. Uh, so I, I will say that I, I have a feeling seven is going to be similar where if you, I think if you didn't read the books, you'd be really mm -hmm. confused at what was going on. I think there's a bit of that in this, but overall, and I think the thing this one does really well that we mentioned this movie does really well is it gets a lot of the characterizations pretty good mm -hmm. in terms of where the characters, how they grow over the course of the book slash this movie. Um, and it, their character interactions work really well, and they they do grow in the way that we need them to yeah. over the course of the movie. Yeah. That the way they do in the book, or the way we need them, the way they do in the book, they do a similar job, even though they change some plot elements in the movie. But we're going to talk about all the things they do change and what we would have preferred they hadn't uh, in this segment. So first up, the beginning of the book, we uh, we get a chapter, and we talked about this in the prequel episode, that this was something J.K. Rowling had been wanting to do in all of the books and finally did it, mm -hmm. where the Minister of Magic meets the human prime minister, and they uh, discuss the magical world. Yeah. Um, in this particular instance, it's Fudge and then eventually Scrimgower 
which is how I'm going to pronounce that. in this movie. Who's not in this movie. And he I was supposed to be. He was going to be. He was supposed to be. He got cut. I think I read a thing. I read something somewhere that he was written in, uh-huh. but ultimately they it, it just didn't work out and they cut him from it. But he and was we, cast. We, we finished watching it and I was like, we'll never know how to pronounce his name now. Yeah, he is in seven. Say it. He is in seven. He's played by <laughs> Bill Nye, but, uh, and he was cast for this one, but it ultimately through cuts just got whittled yeah. out and he wasn't, ended up not being in the film. But there's this opening scene in the book, which is kind of cool. And it's kind of interesting where you set up uh, sort of the the minister of magic explaining everything that's going on to the muggle minister. Yeah, it it kind of sets up how those two um, factions interact with each other. Yeah, the minister of magic comes out of the fireplace and and we kind of get a a glimpse into the human, the uh, muggle prime minister and sort of how he's not, he doesn't exactly love being like it's it's very much feels like he he you know he feels like they he feels like the little brother in the situation yeah. of like they're you know these wizards show up and they're like don't worry we're taking all this crazy <laughs> shit is happening but you don't bother your you just keep you know keep putting out warnings about people not to you know stay out at night or whatever you know, like basic like kind of like try to be safe but like we're taking care of the actual problem you know you can't right. really do anything about this you muggle like and so he's not a big <laughs> fan of the 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 Ministry of Magic, but it's a fun scene. I wish they had somehow found a way to work it into the book. I think they could have done both. They kind of cut it out completely. They mm-hmm. do show us what some of the things that they talk about in this scene. Yes, which is a we'll talk about later. Um, I think yeah, it was a good we, choice. We don't get that actual scene. I would have liked to see at least a minute or two of yeah, it. Yeah, I think it would have been fun. But we're missing that, and we're missing what I interpreted from the book as some pretty obvious shade on George W. Bush from yes. J.K. Rowling. Yes, uh, which, yeah, is not surprising. She mentions, uh, well, it, she has the, the British prime minister mention at one point, the wretched president from a distant country. Yes, which we can which, all guess yeah. as to who that may be referring to. <laughs> uh, this came out in 2007, I believe. So, 2005. Oh, 2005. The book. The book, yeah. yes, sorry, 2005. Um, so yeah, that uh, yeah. particular person that it may have been referring to. Uh, there's okay. They also cut, um, and this is a really fun scene in the book. Again, the Dursleys are not in the movie. Yeah, again, They're not at all. Tend to not be. I think they are in seven point one. Maybe I can't they remember. Are. I think, yeah, yeah, because it's like their last scene or whatever. Um, but there's a scene where Dumbledore comes to pick up Harry from the uh, from the Dursleys in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the movie, they switch it. He picks him up from a train station. Um, in the book, there's some really great interactions. There's one, a couple really great lines. There's some really good Dumbledore lines in this book in general that they <laughs> cut from the movie, which is kind of disappointing. But when he comes in and he's talking to the Dursleys, uh, Mr. Dursley says, I don't mean to be rude. And Dumbledore responds, yet sadly, accidental rudeness occurs alarmingly often. It's just, yeah, he has so many really great, like, <laughs> passive aggressive lines in this scene, like, when he first gets yeah. there, too, um, he's standing in the doorway and yeah. he says, let us assume you have warmly invited me into your home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a lot sassier in the books than yeah. he is in the movies, yeah. it seems. He's kind of just very, he tends to be kind of serious. One of my biggest problems with the movies in general is the characterization of Dumbledore. We've talked about it before a lot at length in the older episodes about the problems they have with portraying him. They don't mm-hmm. get what Dumbledore's about. They kind of... Especially with uh, Michael Gambon, Dumbledore, he's kind of always very grave, yeah. generally. Not always. He has moments of levity and, like, moments, of, but it's not enough, and he's not as quirky as he should be in the yeah, movies. Yeah, the movies really never quite managed to nail Dumbledore. No. 
he has a good moment like at the end of Ep- uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, that moment where he's shutting the door and he's talking to him and he says something, you know, they come back in and, and they're like, they're like, we did it. And he says, did, did what? what? And he's and like, that's, makes a, like, that's Dumbledore. That's the most Dumbledore yeah. moment of that. Like we probably get out of Michael Gambon. And he has a couple moments in this one, but it was one of their biggest problems. And yeah, uh, they cut a lot of his really good lines in this one where you see the more playful side, the playful during intensely <laughs> like dire situations. Mm-hmm. He still manages to to kind of ride that line. Um, also, we get a great moment where he they pour he pours them drinks yeah. and then hands them out and they don't drink them. And so he s- magics them to just bang against their heads while yeah, they're they sitting just there float in the air and like tap on their foreheads the <laughs> yeah. whole time they're sitting and i there. just really wanted to see that like <laughs> see that like the dursley sitting there and drink glasses just like rubbing across their faces while dumbledore's <laughs> talking to them would have been really funny to see but yeah we don't we don't get the dursleys at all so uh, there's a really another really great line this is again dumbledore not getting his due in the films uh they're leaving the Dursleys and Harry says something uh, about, uh, you know, are, we, are you worried? Dumbledore says, I don't think you need to be worried about being attacked tonight, Harry. And Harry goes, why not? And Dumbledore says, you're with me. And the description <laughs> is, you're with me, he said simply. And it's like such a badass line. <laughs> and again, you just don't get, yeah. it doesn't come through in the movies. Well, and then they replaced that with Dumbledore, like very sharply saying, oh, do as I say yes. to Harry. Uh, and it's... It's so un-Dumbledore, yes. it hurts my soul. Yes, it is. Do as I say. He says, come with me, do as I say. And it's like, uh, it doesn't... There are moments, I think what they're trying to set up is later in the film, where Dumbledore and, and in the book, where Dumbledore is very explicitly like, Harry, you have to do exactly what I tell you. You can't, yeah. like, if I tell you to leave me, you have to leave me. If you tell, you know, he's trying. they're trying to go for that. But yeah, he says it so severely, and so like, he's like, do as I say. It's like... Yeah. Well, and the... the- the and part he doesn't that need happens to do that. later. That's also that's something that he sets up with Harry in advance that they agree to, and yes. that's much more Dumbledore yes. than just barking orders. Barking orders at people, yeah. It, again, especially at Harry, especially because there's no need to, because Harry would absolutely has no reason not to just yeah come with him and do what he said. Like it's so strange. I yeah, I had a I was like, no, come on. So then they show up at Slughorns to recruit him, and Harry doesn't know why he's there necessarily, but they go to recruit him, and. uh I think they they don't make a good enough job do do a good enough job in the movie because I think it's a very important element to the story that I got um, in the book is that they don't stress enough how there's a lot of conversation in the book during the scene where we first introduced to Slughorn about uh, he's very into being comfortable mm-hmm. like he has all of his creature comforts even when he's in a home that's you know he breaks into this Muggle home to yeah, stay he's there on the run, he's on the run basically. from the Death Eaters essentially. Um, but even on the run, he has to have his crystallized pineapple and his mature meads and his, you know, all of these comfortable things. He, mm-hmm. um, and that's really ultimately why he doesn't get involved or doesn't want to get involved is because he doesn't want to ruin his comfort. And yeah. I think that's a very important message in general, just sort of, especially now about, uh, just in general about how comfort can be the enemy of progress if it, it, it's 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 easy for people when they are comfortable to to not want to do anything to yeah. to affect any change because why i'm fine i'm right. com- i got yeah. all my comfort i'm, I'm, I'm great so why should i get up off my butt yeah. to help you guys well because death eaters are killing tons <laughs> of people in voldemort you know it's taking over the world and and it's only a matter of time before your comforts are <laughs> no longer so comfortable once right. that all goes down um 
I, I and I they kind of allude to it a little bit throughout the movie, but not near. I don't think nearly enough. And I think it's a really important message. You're right. It doesn't come through in the movie. Yeah. I think that in that scene they got a lot of like the aesthetic stuff right. Yes, the aesthetics we'll are great talk in about that scene later, yes. but um, not so much like the the message. The message of that scene, uh, and yes, and of, of spurring an old comfortable white man yeah. into action. Uh. Um, but also. He doesn't have a mustache. Yes, in the book he has a mustache, and in the movie he does not. He doesn't look anything like the description yeah. in the in the book in the movie. Uh, he's supposed to be very overweight, very big and wide in the book mm-hmm. as part of his description in the movie. He's a little overweight in the movie, but he's not. It, it, the description in the book is like he's as wide as he is tall, but like he's this big rotund man yeah. uh, with a, with a well, mustache. He's, he's been sitting around eating, right. Eating pineapple. And yeah. And drinking, drinking meat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and he, yeah, he doesn't quite come across yeah. that way in the movie, but I, I think he still looks fine. But yeah, the mustache, he doesn't have the mustache. Yeah, It's just like a big walrus mustache, yeah. which would have been great. Yeah. This is a little thing, but it really annoys me that they don't turn on the spot when they apparate. Yeah. I don't know I, why. I, I think in general the apparition looks, it looks, cool. It looks cool. Yeah, I think it looks, it looks great. It's just they should turn and then it should do that. <laughs> like cuz in the movie yeah, it does the thing where like they apparate and it, like they like wrinkle up and like suck into a little like it looks cool and it, it's perfect. I I have no problem with the actual visualization of apparating. It's just it's a little thing. It's so simple. Just yeah. turn. Like the how it's described in the book in case you aren't aware like in the book and the what you do is you you visualize where you want to go and then you turn on the spot and then in that act of turning that somehow starts the process and then you teleport basically but in the movie they just do it which is it's fine it's not a big thing it's just a little thing it's like why just why 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 yeah, not right, have that right right that's one of those things where like why would you not the only thing i think is that it makes it easier to animate if they're not Possibly. spinning yeah. when that happens, maybe that's literally the yeah, only thing. I don't know how much harder that would be. The special effect. That would be my only guess. But oh, and then so the other thing about when they get to the the burrow that really annoyed me is they since Dumbledore just drops him off as we mentioned in Harry's or yeah, like, Trevor's first question, him. literally just drops him in a marsh and <laughs> and Harry finds his way up. In the book, there's a really good scene where Dumbledore pulls him into a shed when they get there and they have a discussion. And I think this was a big mistake cutting the scene. They didn't even need to do it there. They just needed to do it at some point early in the movie mm-hmm. because it really establishes the relationship between Harry and Dumbledore and makes us understand why Harry cares for him so much because and why and, and sort of stresses how much they care for each other because they're talking about Sirius and losing Sirius and, mm-hmm. and Dumbledore's comforting him and, and basically saying, you know, it's like those, those that we lose are not, you know, he's kind of like platitudes, but like in a very fatherly like way yeah it it shows dumbledore as more of a father figure yeah. than maybe we've seen him yeah be. especially because especially in these movies where he's like grabbing harry and shaking and yelling yeah. at him and stuff it would have been <laughs> nice to have a scene where we see why the, you see the closeness between them and see why harry cares for him so much even though we haven't seen that much of it in the movies to this point i think it was really a mistake to not have that in there mm-hmm. um another character that got totally cut from this movie is uh, Fleur Delacour. Yes. Who you might remember from book four. Uh, Goblet of Fire, yes. She is the Bobatons, Bobatons uh, champion. Uh, she's back in this book because she is engaged to Bill, Bill Weasley. Bill Weasley. Um, so she's staying at the burrow. Yes. And holy good lord. She's the worst. She is obnoxious. <laughs> she's straight up 
the worst. Like, and the worst of it is the scene at Christmas. Yes, in my opinion, when she's just being like a little shit, just absolutely terrible, like yeah. awful. Um, but the movie drops all of that. Uh, they drop all. Uh, they drop her entirely, um, and all of that animosity, which. It, this, so there's no setup for yeah. Bill for and Floor's relationship the wedding or their or wedding. Anything. It just happens. I, I it is in the it book. Is yeah, in the it's movies. absolutely because that, that's where they get attacked yeah. and then they run. And it's absolutely in the movie, but there's no setup for it in the in the in the previous movies, right? Um, which is a little strange, unless they're yeah, because Bill's not in Mm-mm. four book four because that's where they first meet. Is he shows up with Mrs. Weasley. At the, yeah, for the they last, like make eyes at each other across the yeah, room. Yeah, before the last task of the Triwizard Tournament, and so that's kind of where they meet, and then they come back. Yeah, but there's no setup for it. They're just getting married in the beginning of the seventh movie. It's like, well, <laughs> why is she with him? What? Well, all right, maybe there's a line probably that they like. Yeah, one line it away in the seventh movie. Um, but yeah, she's yeah she's at Christmas. She's really hating on um whatever the the performer they're listening to, like Mrs. Weasley's favorite. Uh, yeah, singer, her favorite like, old singer who does like a Christmas album, and she's just like literally in the in a in a. It's like read the room, lady. Like she's yeah. sitting around all with in a room with all the rest of the Weasleys, and the song gets over, and she's like, "Is it over? Thank goodness! What an horrible!" And it's like, you know, and everybody's like, "Well, should we have a nightcap? Let's go to bed." And she's just truly the worst. Um, but yeah, we get a lot of progress with her throughout. She yeah, shows she, up. She several has a, times. a nice moment at the end yes. that gets cut as well. Yes, because Bill in, is also not in the movie. Uh, I really love this as a little thing, and it, we 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 get a little bit of it in the fifth movie with Arthur. We don't get enough of Arthur, I don't think, in these movies. But he, we find out that his dearest ambition is to find out how planes stay up. There's a there's a thing where they're setting up like they have like code questions to like make sure that they aren't imposters basically right or that they aren't like under control yes. or something and so like when somebody will ask like Mrs Weasley will ask Mr Weasley when he gets home what's your dearest ambition and he'll say to learn how planes stay up and that's how they know it's actually Arthur Weasley and I was like wizards could really use physics classes because that is not that complicated <laughs> of a question but sure okay um it's pressure differences that's all it is but and we cut to we're established we do the setup for the unbreakable vow uh-huh. and there's a little scene and it, we it, overall i really like that whole scene in the movie uh, i think they do it pretty well but they, again they have a little moment that they could show to kind of reestablish and constantly remind us that the death eaters and especially some of them in particular are like truly terrible people. Yeah. And there's a scene in the book where when they get to the town where Snape is living, uh, Bellatrix and Narcissa, um, Bellatrix kills just a random fox. Yeah. Just, just about a cadaver is a random fox. And she says, she has a throwaway line about thinking it was like somebody like an animagi or something like that. But I don't know if we buy it. She was just killing a random animal. She saw because she's, she's fucking messed up. Like that's what it is. And I I was like, ah, you could have had that in would have been again, a a good way to show us some of the, the evil things that these, that they do. Um, And the, the movie moves that scene. It does. It moves, which I want to talk about later. Um, But then the, because that's like the second chapter of the book. Yes. But it it's comes after a bunch of other stuff in the movie, which I will, yeah. yeah, we'll talk about later. Um but I think the next thing we do in the movie is go to Diagon Alley. Yeah, they go to right. Diagon Alley to get supplies and stuff yeah. and to go visit Fred and George's uh, uh Weasley Wizarding Wheezes, which they yes. have a shop in Diagon Alley now. Um and in the book they are wearing lime green 
dragon skin suits. Yes. And I needed that. They, they really have an aversion to lime green because we don't get the lime green bowler hat yeah. of fudge and we don't get the lime green suits. I mean, it does look terrible on camera. Like, I'm sure it just would look awful, but yeah, it would be nice. They're just wearing, like, they are wearing, it appears like they went, tried to go for some sort of, like, dragon skin looking suits. Mm -hmm. They're wearing, like, suit jackets that kind of look like leather or something. But yeah, Yeah, they're they're not lime green. They're just brown. They are just brown. It's very boring in in comparison. And then they, while they're in, or while they're in the thing, they see the Malfoy and his mom go walk down the street, or Malfoy maybe by himself, I don't remember, uh, walking down the street and they go follow him. Yeah. And they run into Borgen and Burke. They see him in Borgen and Burke's talking about, and, and they do it very differently in the movie. That scene is very different. But in the book, they see hear, hear him talking about something and about wanting to get something fixed. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. And they don't know what. And they can't tell what he's looking at. And so they try to figure out what he was. Right. Hermione does some really great reconnaissance Really work. great spy work here by Hermione <laughs> in the book. Um, that would have been really fun to see in the movie where yeah. she goes in and pretends to be his friend and looking for a birthday present yeah, for she's him. She's like, oh, I want to buy him something. What was he looking at? <laughs> yeah. And Morgan does not buy yeah, it for not a at all. second. It's like, get the fuck out. <laughs> she tried. She, she did her best. She's like, what about this thing? Is anybody reserving this item and she's like just pointing at random things around the room <laughs> and again i think it would have been really funny to see uh uh emma watson yeah, do that, that it would have been a nice moment of levity yeah it would have been fun but yeah they do that complete that scene is completely different yes. in the movie so all right the biggest problem probably with and everybody hates jenny in the movies and i think for good reason i'm also not a fan of what they did with Jenny's character. And now I'm not sure personally if it is more to do with the actress mm-hmm. or with the writing. I don't know if I'm personally I'm more inclined to blame it on the the script. I am too, but I'm wondering if the reason the script is as poor as it is in regards to their relationship and mm-hmm. what the way uh and Jenny's characterization is because they were worried about that actress's like her chops. It off. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm wondering because they completely write out all of Jenny's fire and like yeah. her attitude that makes her an interesting character in the books. And there's lots of it, especially throughout this book. She does a lot of things like when they're visiting the Weasleys. It's and this scene's in the movie. They're visiting the the Weasley twins shop and they're looking at love potions and the twins say like, oh, you don't think you need love potions. From what we hear, Jenny, you get you got plenty of boyfriends or whatever. And in the movie, she kind of just goes. That's none of your business and walks away. Yeah. In the book, she like smacks him down. She's like, it's none of your fucking business how many boys I date. Like she she comes back at him in a way that's a lot more appealing. And mm-hmm. like you can see that she's her she she's strong, independent woman and she don't need <laughs> nobody's fucking opinions about what she does with her life. Um, and it just doesn't come across in the movie. They never have her have that moment of like. Mm hmm. No, Fire. yeah, she she's so milk toast in the movies. She, yeah, she's a very pale, subdued, yes, boring version of Ginny in the book. And so it makes it very hard to understand why Harry's interested in her. Yeah, but it makes a lot more sense in the, in the book because they're they have a reper, reper, repartee. Yeah, between each other, like they like. D- dump on ron together it's yeah. like whenever like she's the person she harry can go to when he's like fed up with ron and like make fun of ron with and that sort of thing and so they just have a lot that their back and forth makes a lot more sense in the movies whereas them just awkwardly staring at each other or it makes a lot more sense in the books <laughs> whereas them just awkwardly staring at each other in the movies is like uh, yeah and all of their scenes are just so 
Oh, so cringy. Yeah, it is very cringy, incredibly cringy. And we'll get to some of those here very shortly. But like there's numerous times in the book where like when, like I said, where she smacks down the twins about who she dates. She confronts Ron about the same thing about like, how dare you tell me who I can date? She pulls her wand on him at one point and it's like going to curse him for being a shithead. And it's like we don't ever get to see any of that. And it's so annoying. Also, she defends Luna, which is really sweet. Um, Somebody's like making fun of Luna. I think it's Slughorn's party or something. And she's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) She like (laughs) smacks somebody down for making fun of Luna. And I think that's another thing. Like her standing up for people is the same kind of thing that Harry tends to do. And it makes more sense that they. Yeah, that they have a kinship there. And this, okay, so then we cut to, uh, we finally run in, I think this is once they're on the train or or maybe getting off the train. He runs into Luna Mm -hmm. at one point. And there's this really awkward conversation. I think it's kind of interesting where uh, Harry's talking to Luna and she says, I enjoyed the DA meetings. Or he says, she's like, are we still going to do DA meetings? And he's like, well, no, because Umbridge is gone. So probably not. And Luna says, well, I enjoyed the meetings. It was like having friends. (laughs) And I think she actually has that line in the movie, I think. Something like that line. I remember hearing that line. Yeah, something similar. Something similar. Um, But I love it's just Harry's and and he comments on it in the book, like the narrator, Harry comments on in the book a lot of times about how like she has this weird knack for saying like very truthful, but like really uncomfortable uncomfortable things things to people. And I was wondering and I assume it's probably the case that this is uh, that JK was trying to write a a character that was potentially like on the spectrum somewhere or I don't know, like uh, is sort of like a an interesting representation that because, yeah, she definitely has a knack for saying things that makes everybody else very uncomfortable (laughs) but are not necessarily like wrong things like she just (laughs) says what she feels in the moment regardless of how she thinks other people are gonna feel about what she says which is kind of interesting um then we run into pansy park well i don't know i want to talk about this is that pansy parkinson on the train or is she just not in the movies okay because we run into Drake, Harry runs into Draco on the train when he's right. going to spy on him. And in the parkours into the top, yeah. <laughs> the luggage rack. Straight up parkours into the <laughs> luggage rack. And in the book, uh, Malfoy is described as like having his head laying in Pansy Parkinson's lap. And that's not what's happening in the movie. But there is a girl sitting across from him on the train next to Blaze. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that's supposed to be Pansy Parkinson. Because if so, because we've never seen her in any other movies, mm-hmm. I don't think. And she's mentioned almost every book at least a few times. She's like the main Slytherin girl that we know. Um, and I'm wondering if that's supposed to be her because it's not remotely what I imagined her to look like. I don't know what I imagined her to look like, but her in the in this movie, if that is Pansy Parkinson, that's not remotely what I expected that I person to look like. did not have any issues with the way Pansy Parkinson looked. I don't know. Looked. I always just imagined her a little more like she was just too generic looking in the movie oh. if that was her like I, i've always defended her to be much more like and shrill like her voice like her name's pansy parkinson like she could should have like a weird like annoying voice i feel like maybe not like i don't know girlier yeah like she's like more girly mm-hmm. if that's I mean, even makes sense then and again she's in one scene she has one line in the right movie. i don't even know if it's supposed to be her it doesn't matter but whatever um, so then we have a pretty big change. I have big. Well, re- relatively marks. big. Um, After Harry, uh, Draco breaks Harry's nose and leaves yeah. him on the train under the cloak. Um, in the book, Tonks finds him. Mm-hmm. And we find out, and this is where they set up that uh, Aurors are following Harry yes. around. Like Tonks, basically, and other people from the Order are following Harry around to make sure he stays safe. Essentially. Yeah. Make sure he doesn't get himself killed. Right. 
especially by Draco for being an idiot. Um, and so Tonks finds him, and it kind of makes sense in the book because, again, she's supposed to be watching him and kind of protecting him, and she realizes that... That he didn't get off the train. He didn't get off the train, so she comes and finds him. In the movie, it's just randomly Luna's walking through the train yeah. after everybody leaves, and she has some magic specs on that let her see rack spurts or whatever. Yeah, they show it... The way the movie shows it, it looks... Um, it looks like kind of like glitter in the air. Yeah, almost. I think they're supposed to be like little fly type things, yeah. like magical flies or something like that. But so she sees them around Harry's body, like laying on the ground. And that, and so even though he's in an invisibility cloak, she knows he's something's there, I guess. Right. But it's weird because how would she know there was somebody there? She casts Finite at it, which we the only we've never heard Finite by itself in the books or the movies, but uh, Finite and Cantatum is how you like stop a spell. Mm-hmm. It's how you like if something's like like if uh, it's how like you I think it's how you um, if somebody's petrificus totalis it's how you st- stop them from being right. petrified right yeah am I crazy I think that's right and so that's what and that that happens with Harry she hits him with it and he becomes unpetrified but she didn't know he was there so we're to assume she was shooting that spell at the rack spurts or whatever. I never understand why she did that spell where she did, and 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 then I mean, that means she if, dis- if how she, she discovers. Can see, if she can see, because she says that she knew there was somebody there because she could see the rack spurts. Right. So maybe she just cast it thinking, oh, this will reveal whoever But she should have cast the, like, reveal, isn't Revelio or something like a spell? I don't know. I don't know. I just, it felt like a weird spell choice. And a weird because, and, and but it is Finite ends up working because Harry was petrified, right? So that it breaks it and he's able to get up. But why would she have cast well, that spell? Is my question. You know, I just I don't think, understand why she cast that spell. I think it doesn't work on a logical level, but it also kind of does work because it's Luna, right? I guess, yeah, it's Luna, so sure, uh, yeah, we can just hand wave away weird writing because Luna's weird. So like, sure, why not? I don't know. I, just, I just thought it was a weird change. And, and especially because Tonks is in the movie. It's not right. like they cut the character completely. She shows up later in the film. So she could have just been there and then be like, I'm following you for the whatever. Like, I don't know. It just seemed like a weird change to me and I wasn't really sure why they did it. Uh, other than to have more Luna in the movie, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. And we get to classes. And this is a change. It's a great line in the books. Oh, my God. It's such a good line in the books. I can't believe the movies cut this. And it's absolutely ridiculous. It's an iconic line. It is a a truly iconic line. And they completely, because we don't ever get, and again, again, we were watching the the theatrical version, we think. uh, Whatever. It's a DVD cut. um, Where So this scene may exist in uh, an extended cut or something. But... Where we're, we get to Defense Against the Dark Arts now taught by Snape and they're learning mm-hmm. uh, uh, nonverbal spells, which the movie completely doesn't yeah. talk about, which is interesting. We'll get to later. But Snape says to him, uh, Snape, they're in class and Snape says to Harry, uh, well, because Harry, they're they're practicing nonverbal spells. Harry forgets or not forgets, just reactively blocks one of Snape's spells that they're doing for like a demonstration. Yeah, he just has like a knee-jerk reaction. And he just does Protego, but he says it out loud and it ends up like knocking Snape across the room into the wall. And Snape says, uh, do you remember me telling you we were practicing nonverbal spells, Potter? And Harry, uh, yes, said Harry stiffly. Yes, sir. There's no need to call me sir, Professor. (laughs) (laughs) 
which is a great it's a great line. It's a great moment. It's an iconic moment, and yeah. it's not in the movie. Uh, it's it's also weird that they just dropped that whole the whole nonverbal thing, and it's weird that they set up. Oh, Snape's teaching defense against the dark arts, and then we never have a class. Yeah, they with never it. do anything with it. We never do anything with it in the movie, which is re- really weird and doesn't really make any sense. But uh, also, again, Snape is the worst teacher, as described in the books. Literally, if you ignore every other terrible thing about Snape, which there are legion, it's <laughs> he's truly a terrible he is teacher. A bad teacher. I'm only gonna. I'll, he I'll doesn't say, teach, as described in the books. Now he may be better. You know, like. There may be more that he does that is not, like, told to us by J.K. Rowling. You know what I mean? But, like, as described in the books, literally, they start practicing nonverbal spells. His his lesson is just don't say anything and do it. Basically is his yeah. is how he teaches them to do nonverbal spells. He's like, just don't say anything and then cast a spell with your mind, dum-dums. Like, and they're like, how? And he's like, yeah, like that. And they're like, what? What? <laughs> and I'm like, you're a terrible teacher. It's the same thing with Legilimin. Uh Yeah. When he's trying to teach Harry occlumency, it's like he's just concentrate and clear your mind. Is that all the... It's all, terribly literally, unhelpful. <laughs> literally the only advice he gives these people. And it's so bad. He's such a bad teacher. Also, I love... So when we, once we set up the whole... Uh, what the Half-Blood Prince in the book, uh, Harry gets the mm-hmm. book in the... Uh, uh, the potions book and it's got all these addendums to the potions that makes him like the best potion maker in the whole world um, and we don't know who the half-blood prince is but Harry's been following all these directions and it's been working wonders for him so far and I love there's a great little interaction in the book where uh, they're all like Hermione's like really like you shouldn't be yeah. doing whatever this random spells and shit you're finding in this book is like a really dumb idea and Jenny's like, hey, yeah, I think if anybody can tell you that's not a good idea to follow instructions from random books that you don't know <laughs> where those instructions are coming from, I think I, I'm the one who can tell you you shouldn't do that. Um, but yeah, she gets on him for taking uh, unknown instructions from a book. Right. Um, more fire from yeah. Jenny that got cut yeah. for the movie. Yes. Um, so the movie also never establishes that Harry is taking private lessons with Dumbledore. He just shows up at Dumbledore's office. He just shows up and they start talking about Voldemort memories. We don't have any kind of framework for why they're doing that. Why they're doing that or what's going on. He's not like, Harry, I need to need your help with some special stuff this semester. He just, he does say, he does have the line in the movie, you may be wondering why I summoned you here this evening. And I'm like, all of us are. We don't know what is going on right now. (laughs) Okay, so this is kind of a big change in the movie. And I get it because, again, time. Mm -hmm. This movie's two and a half hours long already. Uh, This book is shorter than the previous two books. Fairly significantly shorter. It's 200 pages shorter than the fifth book. Yeah. um, And a little bit shorter than the fourth book. Um, But this movie's two and a half hours long. And so they obviously couldn't put everything from a 645 page book or whatever in there. But they cut all of the memories. They decided to just focus on the memories specifically relating to Tom Riddle as a kid. Yeah. And I will say that those are the most important memories that we get in the movie in general are the him at the orphanage when Dumbledore meets him um, and then him talking to Slughorn. But those are like the only two we get. We don't get any of the other backstory for Tom Riddle. Whereas in the book, we see his mother's side of the family. We see a lot of them. We see a lot. We have numerous memories of the Gaunts, Mm -hmm. um, which is Tom's mom's family. And I, again, I get why they're cut for time, but figure, but learning about Voldemort's family is kind of important, and it's kind of a big 
element of learning why Voldemort is the way he is yeah. and why he's doing the things he's doing. And we don't get that in the movie so much. We don't really ever learn why he's doing any of the stuff he's doing or why he turned out the way he did. He's just kind of like a weird kid that is in this orphanage. And you can tell he's a little bit off. But yeah. we don't get like any sort of setup or because in the in the books, we get a lot of information about the, and And Riddle finds out this information about the fact that his mom was a wizard and or that he thinks and that his dad left his mom. And so he hates his name because he knows his dad was a muggle and his dad abandoned his mom. Yeah. And, and so he hates muggles for that kind of he has these deep seated daddy issues, essentially, where does he? Ever? Yes. And 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 that's and and because his dad was a muggle, that sort of amplifies his hatred for muggles, and sort of makes and w- explains why he's so into the sort of pure bloodism and like, mm-hmm. and, and magic is his is the thing that makes him interesting and unique. Yeah, magic makes him special. Magic he makes likes him special. Being special. He really likes being special. And I don't think the movie does a good enough job explaining why it is no, Voldemort not is at all. the way he. Is. The, the, no, the movie does not at all do a good enough job with his backstory. Yeah. But we do see the scene in the orphanage. Yes. At, at least in part. Yeah, most of it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, relatively speaking, most of it. We don't get as much of the dialogue as we get in the book. Mm-hmm. But um, we do get the scene in the orphanage where uh, Dumbledore lights the wardrobe on fire and you hear the things rattling mm-hmm. and uh, Riddle gets him out. And I don't even remember in the movie if they explain that those are things he stole. I think they do. Right? I think it's they implied. Must, or it's implied. Dumbledore says, like, you have to return them to their yes, owners. Yes, he or says, yeah, yeah, like right, that. right, right. So it's implied he stole this stuff. But um, so he has these items. This is really important to what we're learning about Voldemort. And they yeah. never do a good job of making this clear that this was important. I don't think right. is that he collects things. Yeah, he's a magpie. Yes. He collects trophies. He collects trophies. And this is really super duper important. And the movie does not pay attention to this at all. It's very strange to me that they set that up with that scene, but then never paid off. Because later, and we'll just jump to this now because it's relevant here. Dumbledore says when they're discussing Horcruxes later, Harry goes, so they could just, a Horcrux could just be anything. And Dumbledore goes, yeah. Any, Dumbledore mm-hmm. goes, in the movie, he goes, yeah, it could just be anything. And it's like. No, well, I mean it could. It be, could be it's sure, but not for Voldemort. Not for Voldemort, which is the whole point of why we're learning all this stuff about yeah. him is trying to figure out what the Horcruxes are. The, at the end of this movie, it makes no sense that I, I'm interested to see how they do it in seven. Uh, how Harry would remotely come across finding the rest of these items because in the yeah. book we set up at least one more of them. We know what one like. Well, right, we set up the cup. We set up the cup in the book. So we we have the setup for the idea that he's looking for artifacts from that belong to the Hogwarts founders. The Hogwarts founders. But what the movie also doesn't do, I don't think, is set up that the locket they're looking for belongs to Slytherin. Yeah, I don't think so because it's super important in the movie. Yeah, it's yeah. Slytherin's locket. It's got. So an... how on earth would Harry know where to keep looking for yeah, that? For that, what to look for? I mean, all he has to go on is the RAB thing. Yeah, that he gets in the locket at the end of the movie. But yeah, there's no. Yeah, there's nothing set up about the locket. There's no information again about what what kind of things he literally. It, the movie does the opposite, and I can't. I couldn't believe it when he said that. Where Dumbledore's like, "Yeah, it could just be anything." It's like, no, no. no. <laughs> that's the whole point. Is that it couldn't just be anything, and that's why that's how you're able to actually figure out what they are and go find them. Yeah, it's it's a mystery. Yeah, <laughs> if it's just but the anything, movie makes it too much of a mystery. Yeah, way too much of a mystery. It's very strange. Um, also, and so, cause the book makes a very important point where Dumbledore is like, all right, let's recap what we just saw in that memory from the orphanage. 
two really important things. One, Voldemort collects Riddle slash Voldemort collects trophies, collects mm-hmm. items. Keep that in mind. That's important. He says that in the book to Harry and to us, the reader. And then he goes, also, he doesn't have friends. I this The book stresses so many times through Dumbledore, yeah. mainly through Dumbledore, how important it is, the idea that Voldemort does not have friends. Yeah, he lacks and or does not feel that it is important to have connections with other people. Yes. Yeah. And he makes it super clear in the book that it's important that he doesn't have friends. Yeah. Remember that, Harry. <laughs> he doesn't have friends. And that also... Is it, again, it's it's one of those things, and we've talked about it a lot in the over the course of these episodes, that the books catch a lot of the plot generally, even though they have holes there. But they do a pretty poor job at times, at times, of capturing some of the more important themes. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them, literally maybe the most important theme of this whole series, of the entire Harry Potter series. I, I mean, I could people can argue with me, but I argue that maybe... One right. of the most important Probably themes. Probably the single most thing that J.K. was trying to stress to us. Love beats fear. Yeah. Love wins out over fear or, or, or power or whatever other thing. Love yeah, because conquers I all. Because its downfall again and again is yes. that he underestimates Love, love and yes. the affection that people feel for, for each other. other people yeah yeah and voldemort does not feel that for he people. doesn't feel that he doesn't think it's important no. he doesn't think it's powerful or no. relevant and that is his downfall every time he when he dies the first time or we you know when he when he when he goes to kill harry and, and dies quote unquote the first time that is his downfall and when ultimately they conquer him at the end of the seventh book that is the reason is <laughs> because he doesn't respect the the how people feel about each other yeah and and he uses you the people that are his followers he uses them as tools but none of them are his friends none of them care about him he doesn't care about them and that's ultimately his downfall and this movie doesn't make it clear that that's an important thing to remember about voldemort when that is a super important thing to remember about <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a little disappointing that they didn't yeah. Um, also, this is a this is a small aesthetic yeah. thing, but in the orphanage memory, um, we see that young Dumbledore short has, hair and short beard. But yes, in well, in the movie, yes, short hair, short beard. Right. But in the book, yes, it's his, long. It's long, but it's also bright ginger. The ginge. Dumbledore's and he's a wearing ginge. like a flamboyant purple yes. suit. Yes, and I'm like, please, <laughs> could we not have? Yeah. I'm hoping we get to see that in now he doesn't but we've already seen in Fantastic Beasts 2 he doesn't have ginger hair in that either yeah. which is disappointing because that's the right time period it's even before yeah because this is oh no it's probably about close to the same the Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts probably takes place a little bit before no it definitely does not uh, yeah, a little bit a lot uh, yeah before. it takes a little place before he goes to because he goes to get Voldemort from the riddle from the thing probably in like the the 50s, 50s or something like think, that and yeah. this is like the 20s or 30s or whatever so yeah it's even before so his hair should definitely be ginger it should be ginger it should be fuck. ginger and it's not it's dye your hair jude it's law jude law colored hair <laughs> it's like vaguely blondish i think i don't even know but yeah i was like come on man oh yeah the little random we have a little random shot of a, of a death eater trying to fly into hogwarts it's in so the movie stupid looking it's it like it's, it's basically it's literally it's like a callback almost to that scene where from like the third one where a bird is flying and gets swatted by the yeah by the uh whomping willow or whatever where it's literally it's it's a death eater in smoke form flying which fuck, I, we, we've discussed my issues with that but and then he just flies <laughs> into 
like the invisible barrier and just bounces off. Bounces off. Um, like, uh, is this I, a reminder guess, for us? I guess. Yeah, I, don't I guess know. it's a reminder that they can't, they can't get just in. get in. Yeah, which is why Malfoy is doing, doing all the stuff this, with yeah. the vanishing cabinet and blah blah blah. But also, it doesn't make any sense that they would just be like randomly trying to get into Hogwarts because yeah. Voldemort is Voldemort and has yeah. a plan. Has a plan for everything that's going on. Yeah, and it's not. And it's not one of you randomly one of you fly in. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's very strange. Again, I think it's just a reminder for the audience that, like, you can't just stroll in. That's why Malfoy's doing all this shit. Because the books make it clear numerous times, mainly through Hermione, you can't apparate inside or out. You know, yeah. you can't apparate in or out of uh, Hogwarts and blah, blah, blah. And we know all these protections and that they can't just show yeah. up there. But movie viewers probably don't have as much of a... They don't go on about that. It doesn't get reinforced as many times in yeah. the movies. So they needed a way to remind us. So we have then um, a scene in Hogsmeade. Yes. And this is where Katie Bell gets cursed. Yeah. She comes into possession of a cursed necklace. Yeah. Which we've seen before. Yeah. In Borgen and Burke. We have. And in the movie we mentioned yes. it. We have seen this in the second movie. In Chamber of Secrets. Yes. And it's uh, referenced again in this book when they see Malfoy go in there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, in, the, in the book, yeah. But yeah, but not in the movie. Um, but the the movie's transition into her getting yeah. cursed, I felt like was really confusing. Yeah, it doesn't, we don't understand where, what's going on. Um, it's just, they are, we do, they walk to Hogsmeade. They have their scene at Hogsmeade with Slughorn. Yeah. And then they're walking back to Hogwarts, we assume. But and there's just random talking of we hear like we're, we're flying in and looking at Harry, Hermione and Ron walking and Hermione's like drunk or something I, like she's acting kind of drunk. I, it's weird. <laughs> it's a very weird scene um, because she slammed her butterbeer in the previous scene. So yeah. she's like a little buzzed, I guess. Um, but we hear like the somebody talking to Katie. I imagine um, what's it's not. Her friend was Leanne. Yeah. Leanne's talking. Yeah. Leanne's talking to Katie and we hear like, don't touch it, Katie or something. And we're like, what? And then all of a sudden, Katie's just floating in the air. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what just happened? And there's a, there's a little bit more of setup in the book where yeah. we like kind of see them arguing over it. Like and Leanne's the, trying the, to like get it from her. Yeah. Yeah. And, we have, and then the whole rising up into the air yeah. thing happens. It's very strange. It's a little bit. There's a couple of really interesting transitions and like scene jumps in the movie that are a little bit hard to follow if yeah. you don't know what why we're there or what we're doing or what just happened or like yeah if you do again if you have, reading the book we know what's coming and why what's going on and what why this is happening but it's a little confusing in the movie i feel like or feel like it would be a little confusing then we jump to slughorn's christmas party and this is the thing in the movie or in the book that i i thought so there's this been a big falling out uh between <laughs> uh hermione and ron yes there's a big falling out because Ron is dating Lavender Brown. Right. And they're making out all over the place, and Hermione's not happy about it because she's cr crushing on Ron. And there's a little bit more to it in the book where I think in the movie she mentions that she was going to ask she him says, for the party. Yeah. But I think in the book, doesn't she actually like ask him? And They do it in the movie, too. Ditches her? They do it in the movie, too, where she goes... Well, I think so, because there's a line where she goes, I, I was going to ask you. She basically asks him in the book mm -hmm. and he and he's like, oh, but she said they have that scene in the movie where she goes, she says something along the lines of, well, actually, I was thinking about taking you. And he's like, oh, and so it's like they're kind of like implied that they're going to go together. Yeah. But then after that, Ron ends up hooking up with Lavender 
even though because right. they didn't really have like concrete plans, but they kind of did. And so there's like this weird like falling out because of that. And Hermione thinks Ron was going to go with her. And then so she gets super upset. But I love. So after Ron gets hooks up with Lavender, there's this great moment in the book where they're at breakfast like the next day, like before the the Christmas party, the Slughorn mm-hmm. Christmas party. And Parvati just randomly yells down the table to Hermione. And she's like, Hermione, so who are you taking to Slughorn's party? And Hermione like calls back, you know, from the other end of the table. Oh, I'm taking Cormac McLaggen. And Ron is just sitting there hearing all this. And they're like, they have this really like, and Harry's kind of, we're watching this through Harry's eyes of him yeah. like being like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> He's like, why are they being so weird? And he realizes over the course yeah, of it that they're that doing this, that she's doing, doing this. doing it on purpose because Ron does not like McLaggen. Who also applied or tried out for the Quidditch team. Yeah. And Hermione helped make sure Ron got the spot over McLaggen. And yeah, so Ron doesn't like McLaggen. Um, and so he's a little bit jealous, but yeah. And so that's why she, she ends up taking McLagan cause she thinks it'll piss Ron off the most, but the, and it does, and it does. <laughs> and then the movie, they make a reference to that where she's at the party and Harry's like, why did you bring McLagan? She's like, I thought it would piss Ron off or whatever. But in the movie, or in the book, we actually see her doing that yeah, we to see annoy her Ron. <laughs> trying to yeah. piss off Ron, which is great. Yeah. It's really fun. And I thought that movie would have been fun or that scene would have been fun to see. Oh, and then before they go to the party, so Harry decides to take Luna, which happens in the yeah. movie. Um, and before that, the class before the party, they were tra- doing uh, transfiguring themselves mm-hmm. in the book. There, uh, which again, the only class we ever get is potions in the movie because it's kind of the most important with Slughorn. I get right. it, but um, they uh, they're learning to transfigure themselves to like disguise themselves or whatever. And Harry's doing it, and he ends up accidentally turning one of his half of one of his eyebrows like blonde or something or yeah, red or like, whatever like highlighter yellow is how yeah. i pictured it yeah and they're going to the party and luna sees him and goes or he when he asks her to the party she goes yeah sure i'll go and she goes she says uh she asks if harry dyed his eyebrow for the party and if she should do it too <laughs> and it's just one of those moments of luna just being such a delightful oddball <laughs> it's just like and i guess she has a little bit of a she's good in this movie and i wish she was in it i wish she was in the book more honestly than yeah, she is because yeah. she's always fun when she is in it and they use her a little bit more in the movie uh, than they do in the book but yeah that was a great line and, and she doesn't get it in the movie which was which is disappointing so we we do get some of slughorn's christmas party but we're, we're missing a, a couple of things from it um one of the things is that there's a vampire oh, yeah. there, and like a and then like a and his keeper, who's like his, a guy writing about him, yeah. his life or something. It's very strange. Who also offers to do a biography for Harry of, of Harry, yeah. Um, but anyway, my favorite thing is that the vampire is another example of really on the nose naming from J.K. Rowling. Yeah, which is a thing that. I see a lot of people complain about, but I love it because I think it's hilarious. It's fantastic, yes. (laughs) She names the vampire Sanguini. Yes. She, you you named your vampire Bloody. Yeah. JK, you literally named him Blood. Yeah. (laughs) Sanguini. Yeah. Perfect. I love it. It's, yeah. It's it's so adorable. She probably had a placeholder and she's like, nah, fuck it. Like I'm just no, going with she bloody. does that all over yeah, the no, place. Yeah, that's though. true. Yeah, she does do that. Like all the time. Sirius Black, the Black Dog. Yeah, and yeah, and 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 uh, all the all the authors of all the books yeah. all have like super on the nose like names about like like Emmerich Switch is the Transfiguration book art author or whatever. 
And so, yeah, they all have, like, very on-the-nose names. So, she, yeah, she does that a lot. Yeah. But it's for, it's, I think it works because it's fucking kids' books. Like that, No, I agree. Yeah, it's great. Um, also, I love that, so when they're introduced to that vampire, uh, Luna has a great line where she's like, uh, Harry says, did you hear, he's talking to Luna, he goes, did you hear there's supposed to be a vampire coming? And Luna responds, Rufus Scrimegower? <laughs> and and I love Harry's response. He goes, I, what? <laughs> You mean the Minister of Magic? <laughs> yes, he's a vampire, said Luna matter-of-factly. Father wrote a very long article about it when Scramgower took over for Cornelius Fudge. <laughs> um, I just love, it's, like, I love Harry's reaction to that. He's like, I, wh- what? <laughs> Scramgower is a vampire? That's um, super, like, Wizarding World National Enquirer. Yeah, it is, it is. It is, and I like it's. I love Luna. She would also drive me insane because I, <laughs> I, I can't stand that sort of weird conspiracy nonsense. But like it, it, she's like the only conspiracy theorist I could ever like. I think would be Luna Lovegood. It's it's uh, very endearing. It's an endearing conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Um, a couple things from Christmas that were not done to my yeah. liking. Um, Ron gets the uh, necklace. From Lavender Brown as a present. Which we see her give him a necklace in the movie. Yeah, we but see it for like It's from a far away and we don't see what it yeah. is. But in the book, it's like this huge gold chain <laughs> yes. with big gold letters that spell sweetheart. Yes. I think it's my sweetheart. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty fantastic. It's super gaudy and awful. And in the movie, it looks kind of vaguely just yeah, like a heart or something. It's like majorly underplayed yeah. in the movie. But they do go at least a little. They give a, a little bit of yeah. it. But yeah, it's not... not not nearly as fun. Um, and then we they also, cut, yeah. yeah, miss out on, in the book, uh, Harry has an entire conversation with Scrimegower. Yeah. Where he basically tries to get Harry to come on as, like, the minister's poster boy. He wants him to be the poster boy, and Harry's like, nah. Yeah. Fuck you. And I love his big, like, slam down mic drop moment, is he shows him the I must not tell lies scar that yeah. he apparently still has on his hand, which is pretty badass, which would have been a fun detail for them to keep in the movies. But yeah. I absolutely didn't do because it would be also be a nightmare to keep like every <laughs> scene where we see Harry's the back of his left hand or whatever that says I must not tell lies on it. But uh, then, OK, then this is a, just some bad moments in the borough. This is the Jenny and Ron or and Harry uh, nightmare scenes two of them like back to yeah, back like right in a row like uh, what are you doing to us movie uh like uh, jenny comes in and sits down uh on the couch next to harry and uh has a plate of cookies and she grabs one and turns to harry and says open up you and then awkwardly feeds harry a cookie Stop. and again <laughs> i think they're going for like cute cute awkward but like intentionally like Yes, it's awkward and cringy, but that's the point because they're like dumb teenagers, like who who are yeah. awkward and cringy. But it just comes across awful. Like it's right, just there's no cute. No, to it. there's not any. It's just like oh, this is so bad. Oh no, oh god, this is the worst. And again, all of their scenes are like this, and we don't ever get any of the things that we don't ever see why they're compatible with yeah. each other, other than she's around Harry a lot and is not Hermione. Because that's the only reason we get... I mean, that's apparently all you need. That's the only reason we get in the movie, is that she's the other girl around that's not Hermione. <laughs> like, okay, sure, fine. 
Also, they both play Quidditch, which we see in the movie, but we don't get much of it. Like, we see that she's at least on the Quidditch team right. in the movie. But in the book, they're on they're Quidditch together. They play Quidditch. They play Quidditch at uh, the yeah, Weasleys they, together. Yeah, they really bond. Yeah, they playing bond Quidditch. playing Quidditch together. Um, and, and again, her fiery attitude that we just never get any of in yeah. the movies, which is uh, it's the worst. Uh, and then. And then. Oh, God. The shoelace scene. <laughs> Uh, it's 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 famously bad. Uh, everybody makes fun of this and talks about the shoelace scene. I mean, it is truly terrible. It is truly terrible. I. It's yeah. If at any point in our courtship you had ever just bent down to tie my shoe, I would have been like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's in a bathrobe. Yeah, it's very it's awkward. So weird. It's so weird. And Harry just stands there awkwardly. And again, I think they're going for like, ah, the awkward member. We all remember how awkward it was to be a teenager and, you know, in love or whatever. It's like, yeah. Yeah, but, but it, it wasn't that awkward. It wasn't that awkward. <laughs> like, it wasn't that bad. Like, holy Jesus. It's, uh, it's so bad. It's and then, so the, and then bad. the burrow burns down. Yeah. Okay. So burning the burrow. Yeah. All right. So I get it from a symbolic thematic standpoint. Um, the burrow is a place where Harry has always felt welcome and yeah. at home, um, a, a place where he feels that way that isn't Hogwarts. Yeah. So the burrow kind of represents normalcy. Yeah. To him, which makes taking that away like a, a loss of innocence. Right. For sure. Um, and it raises the stakes a lot for yeah. us, too. So I get it. Yeah. But I don't have to like it. Yeah. I, I have this in a different segment. I I have mixed feelings about this scene. I have this in a, like, a different segment because I, I do actually like a lot about this. I think it works, especially in the movie. I don't know if it would necessarily work as well in the books, but I think it works pretty well in the movie. But that being said, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's a big, cha- it's a big like thing. Yeah. It's kind of an iconic thing to do and like a kind of, kind of a big decision to make to be like, we're going to burn down the burrow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I get it. I, I had um, forgotten that that was in this movie. I thought it was in. One of the last two. Yeah. We, we drop a lot of uh, the the sort of mystery of what Malfoy is doing. They do it yeah. differently in the movie, which I have in a different segment. I actually kind of like how they do it in the movie. Right. But um, one of the things they do in the book is that Harry never knows where Malfoy is going. He just disappears, which is also a thing that I thought was a little unbelievable how long it takes Harry to figure out he's in the room requirement. I'm like, but yeah. if he's not on the map, <laughs> especially cause he sees Malfoy and crab or crab and Goyle standing in hallways for long periods of time, not moving. And he's like, they're just standing there, but I don't know what they're doing. I don't see Malfoy anywhere. I'm like, well, maybe look at what hallway they're in. You know where the room of yeah. requirement is. Like <laughs> now the movie, like it shows us Malfoy doing stuff with yeah. the vanishing cabinet, but it kind of completely drops the, the plot line where Harry's so obsessively trying, yeah, trying to, to figure, figure out, out what no. he's doing. Which is interesting because that's kind of an important thing is Harry constantly, we talked about it in the prequel yeah. a little bit, of Harry constantly being like, no, Malfoy's fucking Death Eater and he's doing something. He's got a plan. Yeah. And it's also because they downplay the battle at the end because they, and I read about why they did that, they kind of completely downplayed. They just wanted to focus on Dumbledore dying mm-hmm. and and sort of downplay the little mini battle that breaks out at Hogwarts at the end of the sixth book. In the movie, they just sort of leave. Yeah. But it also doesn't really make a lot of sense in that regard why, why they would bring all the people in. Yeah. Why are they there? 
Now, to be fair, I always thought that was also thought that was a little weird in the movie. Like, what is their goal? Or in the book, like, what is their goal? So Malfoy figures out this way to bring all the people in. Right. He's there to kill Dumbledore. That's their only goal is to yeah, kill Dumbledore. Yeah, as far as we know, that's the only thing that Voldemort So why do they need all these people there? Do. And, it, and we know that it has to be Draco. Yeah. As per Voldemort's orders, yeah. even though it ends up not being. Right, it, but, but supposedly it was supposed to be Draco. But so if it had to be Draco, then what's why have all the other people? It was a little confusing to me what the plan of why even bring all the other Death Eaters in. I, I never really understood what the even in the book. <laughs> I never really understood the purpose of that. If you know why they did that. The only thing I can think is that they needed them there to create like this, like a diversion, a diversion, basically, so that the Malfoy could f- get Dumbledore alone somehow, yeah. kind yeah, of. Maybe. Or I don't know. I, it, was, it was, yeah, because they had because they knew Aurors were there. Maybe that's it. Is that they knew there were Aurors there? There was defense there, and so if if Malfoy just tried to confront Dumbledore, like the Aurors would just bust in and like stop him. Right. Maybe that's the idea. Is that they needed somebody there to like cause a diversion so that Malfoy could do the? I don't know. I thought it was a little strange, but uh, yeah. But in the book, anyways, to get back to my original point, uh, Crab and Goyle are Polyjuice potioning into girls a lot, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, it's... like little girls, <laughs> like like first year girls apparently at points because Harry like sneaks up on one of them at one time. It's a little awkward and weird. He goes like, "My, aren't you pretty?" to like a first year girl, <laughs> and she like freaks out and runs away. And now it is Crab or Goyle or whatever, but it's. That's still, still, still a little weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, we we do get the triumphant return of Quidditch, which we'll talk about later. But they cut my favorite part of Quidditch oh from the books. Yes, is that Luna becomes the commentator <laughs> because Lee Jordan has not since graduated, um, and, and we get a couple different announcers. But one of the games eventually we get Luna, Luna. as, and the- she does. Just about as good of a job as I would do. As you would imagine Luna would do, (laughs) commentating on Quidditch, which is not good at all, because she has no idea what she's talking (laughs) about. And I love the idea that they... (laughs) But here's just some choice. If you have only ever seen the movie and haven't read the book, here are some choice uh, quotes from um, Luna doing Quidditch commentary. And that's Smith of Hufflepuff with the Quaffle. He did the commentary last time, of course, and Ginny Weasley flew into him. I think probably on purpose. It looked like it. Smith was being quite rude about Gryffindor. I expect he regrets that now that he's playing them. Oh, look, he's lost the Quaffle. Ginny took it from him. I do like her. She's very nice. (laughs) Uh, But now that big Hufflepuff players got the Quaffle from her, I can't remember his name. Something like Bibble... No, Buggins. It's Codwaddler, <laughs> said <laughs> Professor McGonagall loudly from behind Luna. The crowd laughed. <laughs> I just, I love. Um, yeah, I like then at one point they mentioned that she keeps talking about like interesting clouds yeah, and stuff instead yeah. of the match. Yeah. And she kept attempting to draw the crowd's attention to such things as interestingly shaped clouds and the possibility that Zachariah Smith who had so far failed to maintain possession of the quaffle for longer than a minute, was suffering from something called loser's lurgy. <laughs> also, I love, and Harry Potter's now having an argument with his keeper, said Luna serenely. I don't think that'll help him find the snitch, but maybe it's a clever ruse. <laughs> it's just, it's so great. I, I really wish they would have had some of that in, uh, in the movie. I, I don't know when they would have put it in, but it would have been delightful. Uh, we don't get any apparition lessons. Yeah, in the movie, which uh, is weird. Sixth year, they the sixth years are doing um, apparition, apparition apparition lessons, yeah. which they kind of set up 
like it's a driving. I saw it as very much like a a, a parallel to getting your driver's license, essentially, where they they can do it when they're 16 or when they turn 17, I guess, 16. Yeah, whatever. And but yeah, they have to take a test and they have to kind of practice for it. So they get lessons every Saturday for like Mm -hmm. a a couple months from this apparition teacher who kind of teaches them how to do it or apparate apparition, not apparition, apparition. Uh, apparition is a different thing um it's a <laughs> ghost or whatever um but anyway so, so they learn how to do it and i just thought it was kind of fun and we also set up that's also important for the seventh one because they need to apparate everywhere yes. and so we need to know they learned how to do it yes. <laughs> which we don't um, see in the movie and ron actually gets to try for his license because his birthday is he's older spring. than everybody else yeah. yeah um but they don't mention his birthday yeah they don't mention his birthday at all um, so he just ends up randomly eating the love potion. Yeah, it makes a little more sense in the book. He eats the love potion candies because he mistakes them for a birthday present. Yeah. As opposed to just having him like randomly help himself to the candy that's on Harry's bed. Which yeah. Which is what happens in the movie. Yeah. Uh, there's a random... Okay, so again, they completely cut... Dobby yes. from the movie again. And I so, think I think David Yates just doesn't like Dobby. I think that must be the case, and I do think and it's also probably not super cheap to animate for Fair having enough. him in the film. But again, so this is this has confirmed what we were asking or wondering uh, earlier before, which is so the we see Dobby in episode number two, or in Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. We do not see him again in the films yeah. until his. In, in death until his untimely undoing yes yes but so again we have no uh, most of the people i would imagine when we get to that point don't even remember who the barely remember who the freak dobby is if you haven't read the books i guess we'll see if trevor has any questions yeah if he's like what what okay so dobby again, that or? oh from the earlier one do, do i care about him like because yeah. we constantly have the relationship between harry and dobby and it's, it's kind of a pivotal thing um, and they constantly remind us, she constantly remind us over the course of the books about how much Dobby cares for Harry and how Harry kind of, you know, cares about Dobby mm-hmm. and, you know, um, as the person who set him free basically. And, and Dobby helped him a lot, has helped him throughout the course of the books in different ways, like in Ford and, you know, doing yeah. different things. Um, but anyway, so there's a new, a new, the new house elf, uh, creature from the fifth one shows up again in this book. Uh, right. Because he now belongs to Harry. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's another thing that we lose in the movie, too, yeah. is that reminder of who Creature is yeah. and the fact that he has passed into Harry's ownership. Yes. Two things which are, again, important in book seven. In book seven. We don't get any reminders on yes. any of that stuff, which is, again, weird. Um, but, so, uh, Harry wants uh, Creature to follow Malfoy. Yeah. Uh, because he wants to, he's trying to figure out what Malfoy's up to, and he's like, I, I know, I can use Creature He'll follow him. He can report back on him. And when he summons him, Dobby is there with them, and they're fighting, and they get into a fist fight. And it's described <laughs> in the book that Dobby knocks out a bunch of creatures' teeth, <laughs> like he punches them in the face and knocks out like four of his teeth. Oh god! And I would have paid good money to see a creature versus Dobby fist fight. Would have been awesome. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and then Dobby and Creature both uh, are gonna follow Malfoy for him. Yeah. But again, like we said earlier, they kind of cut. Harry being obsessed with figuring out what Malfoy's up to. He doesn't really realize. He just knows he's up to something from the first scene in the movie, but then never really follows up on it. There's zero setup for a bazaar. Yeah, for Harry knowing what that is and how to use it and what it's for. And We get no setup for that at all in the movie. And in the book, it's... I mean, we get set up for it in because it's also in the first movie. Mm-hmm. In Snape's opening monologue. 
where he asks all the questions and then we find out one of the things he asks and what is a bazaar and he you know he explains that it's a a stone found in the goat of stomach or stomach of a goat. The, the goat, goat of, a of a stomach. The stomach of a goat that is a, an antidote to most poisons or whatever. Yeah. So we, if you remember movie one, you, you might remember what the fuck this is. But uh, we're reminded of what it is in this book. And there's a scene in the book where Harry uses a bazaar kind of cheekily to like. To like get around an assignment. Yeah. Basically. In potions, he's supposed to brew an antidote. Can't brew yeah. it for whatever reason. So he just grabs a a bazaar and he's like, because in the book, uh, the Half-Blood Prince had written, he had like scratched out the whole um, antidote and was just like, just shove a bazaar down their throat. And so Harry's like, oh, fuck it. All, All right. right. I got nothing else. I'm just going to grab it and go for it. And and the Slughorn thinks it's hilarious and gives him full marks for his cheek, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's our reminder of what a bazaar is. So then when Ron gets poisoned... We know what the fuck he's grabbing and why he's how he knew to do that and how yeah. it saves him. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But we don't get any of that in the movie. It's just random. Harry just runs over, grabs the thing, is like, "I saved you," and it's like, "All right, okay. <laughs> what was that?" Um, another memory that yeah. we don't see in the movie. This is an is, interesting uh, one. I forgot about this in the book. Yeah, completely. I had forgotten about this too. Is um, Voldemort coming back and to interview for a job at <laughs> yeah asking Dumbledore if he can have the defense against the dark arts job and this is like post like he is well on his path yeah. to becoming Voldemort at yeah. this point he's not like he's fresh not, out of school he's, he's Tom yeah, Riddle he's not like fully fledged Voldemort yet, no but, but there's he's, he's on the way the description is he, his his face is changing and he's got red eyes and like yeah. he's fucking turning into Voldemort and uh but he's like I want to teach kids and Dumbledore's like yeah, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but one of the things in that scene is that it's they've been there's been an illusion to the idea that the defense against the dark arts job is cursed mm -hmm. because nobody ever stays more than a year, and that's been the case in every book. There's always a new defense against the dark arts teacher every year in the books um, for various reasons, and they've all, all everybody kind of make jokes about it being cursed. But we find out that the moment that Dumbledore turned down Voldemort for the job ever since then was yeah. the point where there's never been a person teaching that class for more than one year, which had to have been for quite a while. That goes yeah. like 30 years, I feel like. It's right? A lot of defense against the dark arts or teachers. At least like 20 years or something. Like, yeah. it's got to be it's a while. It's got to have been a while. Yeah, because it's before Harry was ever born. Yeah. So it, it, let's say it's even five years before Harry's born. That's... Five plus 60, that's 21 straight years, roughly, of a different defense against the dark. I mean, no wonder people started saying yeah. it was cursed. Like, yeah. It's a long time. It is. That's just, I will say, this feels like a thing that, that J.K. Rowling thought of random. Like, yeah. Like, after she had written that and like, oh, it's cursed. And like, she wanted a fun conceit and a, a fun way to have like a new teacher every semester. So the defense against the dark arts teacher just always, for whatever reason, it's kind of like a running gag. Like, not a gag, but. And so then she got to this and she's like, I know. I'll have a reason. It actually is cursed. And it's like, <laughs> well, maybe that doesn't make sense because they went through 25 teachers. And, you know, like they, you would just run out of teachers at yeah, that right. point. Like there's not that many teachers in that wizard teachers, I would imagine, in the UK. But sure. Uh, and, and then uh, everybody's favorite uh, nickname for Ron or for Harry specifically, Runa Waslib, <laughs> which is not in the movie at all. But uh, Ron has a... Uh, 
a he's got a spell correcting quill, quill from Fred and George's shop that's supposed to correct your spelling, but yeah. instead it spells everything terribly, because terribly it's, wrong. Well, it's supposed to correct your spelling, or I thought, oh, maybe I because I thought he implied that it was like running out of juice, basically, and that it did. But no, maybe. you're right because when he writes his name in the book, and that was when he first got it, it's it still spells it wrong. It writes Runo Waslib. <laughs> And it's a great moment too when Harry or when uh, Snape sees Ron's book. <laughs> he sees the potion book that he got, yeah. And he goes, "Bruno Waslib," and he's like, "That's what my friends call me." <laughs> Harry, <laughs> Harry does because he's trying to make it up, which they cut all that completely, yeah. which doesn't really make sense, which we'll talk about after the Sectum Sempra scene, uh, which is right now it's super toned down in the movie. Yes, it is uh, because this is a PG movie. Yes. And not a, even a PG-13. So we can't have Malfoy be completely slashed open. No. And have blood spilling Spr- everywhere. Spraying out of his face yeah. and chest everywhere. Like, when I read that in the book, I was like, holy shit. And then when you see it in the movie, he's just, like, kind of bleeding a little bit. Yeah. And it's like, all right. Okay, yeah. Because in the movie, he's supposed to fly in the air, blood, just, I just imagine, like, a fountain of blood spraying out, like, just <laughs> truly terrifying stuff. But they really tone it down, which is a little disappointing. Um, they also cut, in the book, um, he's in the bathroom with Moaning Myrtle. Yeah, they cut Myrtle out completely. And he's crying, which he does cry in the movie, but she's, like, trying to comfort him. Yeah. Um, and... So then we lose kind of any explanation of why Snape comes into the bathroom because it's Myrtle. She's yelling murder in the bathroom. Yeah, because yeah, she sees Harry do that. They, she yeah. sees them dueling and she's trying to get him to stop. And then that happens and she starts yeah wailing. And that's why Snape shows up. Also, there's a little mention earlier. Again, this is a thing where to, to sort of stress how truly evil these people are. We get a story or a setup or... I think it's mentioned in an article. Or, I don't even remember it's how. It's an article in the Daily Planet. It's an article in the Daily Planet, or the Daily <laughs> Planet, the Daily Prophet, that uh, Fenrir Greyback. Who's a werewolf. Who's a werewolf, who we see in the movie several times, um, but we don't really see him do anything, but he's in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it ate a five-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it sets up that he likes biting children. Yeah. He specifically goes after kids. Yeah. Because he's fucking crazy. And then uh, to go back to the Sectum Semper scene, after it happens in the movie, Harry just leaves and Snape does nothing. Yeah, so there's no consequence to the fact that he almost fucking killed, killed Draco. Draco. Yeah, nothing happens in the movie. They, we just cut away from it. In the book, Snape like freaks out and is like, "Go, uh, where did you learn that spell?" Yeah, um, and he's like, "It was in my book, I think." Or he says or something. You know, he he accidentally thinks about. The oh, book. and 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 Snape legitimizes yeah. him. Um, and he f- sees the book and Snape's like, go get it. And so Harry has to do the thing where he swaps it with Ron's and brings Ron's, which doesn't have the writing, which is where the Runal Waslib thing comes up. Um, but there's like, and so there's all this stuff about it. So then at that point, Snape knows essentially yes. that he has this, his old Snape's old textbook basically. Um, but yeah, in the movie, there's like, Snape's like, get out of here. Yeah. Nothing happens. <laughs> like, come on. But he does go to hide the book. He does hide the, the book. Movie. He hides yeah. it in the room of requirement. Um, we don't get the uh mention of yes of the is the, it okay am i right in remembering that that's the diadem diadem yes, di- i think it's diadem diadem okay because in the in the book he when he hides the uh he hides the potion book mm-hmm. he puts it in a i think he puts it in the vanishing cabinet actually which is or does he not he puts it in, he puts it he somewhere puts it somewhere he puts it somewhere in the in the in the room of requirement and he, in order so he can find it again later, he stacks up like a manic, like a bust, yeah, like of a, a bust of somebody, and, and then the... and then he puts a random rusty tiara 
or like yeah. an old tiara that he finds on it. And I and I was like, I think if I remember correctly, that's the diadem. Yes, that ends up being the diadem, um, which is important. It's a Horcrux. Uh, mm-hmm. We find out eventually, which is I'm not exactly sure why it's there. I don't know if we ever explain why it was there mm. or why Riddle. And had there's it there. probably an explanation we'll for that. In the I just don't remember. Book. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see when we get to seven. But so that's kind of a little setup uh, for for book seven. We don't see that in this movie. We don't no. see that happen. We don't see that that item. And I. I'm astonished that they don't just have that in the background somewhere. Yeah. That would have been and, so and easy And now to there's do. a lot of junk in there. Maybe they do and we yeah. just missed it. But I, I was trying I was to look out for, for it, it because, yeah, because especially because they do things like that. Like we mentioned, the necklace is yes. in the second movie and it doesn't show up until the sixth. This is literally one movie ahead of time. JK absolutely knew that was an important item. It wouldn't yeah, have been. I, I, it's weird it, to, to me. To me, it wouldn't have been any extra trouble to just make sure there was a junky old tiara somewhere in that scene. Yeah, very strange. Very strange. But then also, uh, the the thing that sucks about this is we get in the movie, it becomes a weird, cringy. Ugh. This is the kiss scene. This is where they yeah. kiss. This is where Harry and Jenny kiss for the first time. Um, and again, every scene they give them is just so cringy and awkward. So like, just. She. She she hides the book. He closes his eyes and then she comes back and kisses him while his eyes close. And then she has a line that doesn't even really make sense. She says something like, you can hide me up here, too, or something like that. It's, just, it's gross. Like gross and, and weird. And-, and, 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 and again, it doesn't make any sense it, or it doesn't make it clear to the audience what. Like any give the any give us any sense of their chemistry together because again it seems like they have none right well, they don't have any in the movie yes yeah. but in the book the their kiss comes at a very different time which is when they win a Quidditch game yes and they come back and they're celebrating and Ginny kisses and I do like at least that Ginny kisses him in the movie because she comes and kisses him mm-hmm. or no he kisses her in the book he grabs her and kisses her I'm pretty sure Harry looked around there was Ginny running towards him. She had a hard, blazing look in her face as she threw her arms around him. And without thinking, without planning it, without worrying about the fact that 50 people were watching, Harry kissed her. Yeah. So he does kiss her, he does but, kiss she her. but she flings herself yeah. into and, his and arms. And th- there was a specific description that you mentioned there that <laughs> a hard, blazing look on her in her yeah. eye or on her face. That is not a moment, that, that is not a thing that ever happens in any of the movies with Jenny. She never has that look on her face, which again, uh, the fire is not there. Well, you mentioned in the prequel that this Daniel is, Radcliffe didn't think he... This is his least favorite his performance. least favorite performance. I'm like, maybe that's why. Yeah, because he's all, all cringy, those, awful All those scenes. love scenes are so terrible. Yeah, it's not even his performance. It's just the scenes. Are, yeah. There's no... You could never do those well. Like, there's yeah, no like, way to what do perform you, those scenes well. What are you well. going to do with it? Yeah. There's nothing. You yeah, can't. It's awful. The movie completely abandons the fact that that Snape is the one who over, overheard the prophecy mm-hmm. that foretold Harry. That right, that names Harry as the chosen one, yeah. essentially. And that's uh, he finds out, and and we'll talk about this a little bit more later because this, this kind of changes the entire end of the film. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit when we were watching the movie. Um, but in the book, Harry finds out that Snape was the one who overheard the um, Trelawney's prophecy and told Voldemort, and that's why. Harry's parents are dead. Yeah. Essentially, it's Snape's fault that Harry's parents are dead. Yeah, basically. basically. Um, and so that gives him extra motivation to super fucking hate Snape. Um, but they drop that, which is, again, it feels like a mistake, but 
Again, and then similarly, there's no setup for the ring. The, the horcruxes are super mishandled, I think, in this yes. movie in general, like where we just don't get enough information and they're told, like we mentioned earlier, we don't explain why they are the things that they are because mm-hmm. the ring, we have no idea what right. it is. No, we have no idea. They and never say, they just show it. It's just a ring. And that's kind of what he says. And that's sort of why they play on the, it could be anything, a book, a ring. And it's like, no, those aren't just random items. <laughs> Uh, in the book, the ring uh, belonged to the Gaunts. Yeah, it belonged to his his grandfather. His grandfather, and so it's a super important ring. And I think even maybe it was Slytherin's ring before that. Well, ultimately, find out what the ring was and why it's so important in book seven. Yeah, because um, it's not just a ring. Uh, but we don't ever set up what the ring is, so we have no idea. And 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 Dumbledore kind of constantly reminds us and says, hey, "I'll tell you about this ring and where it came from and why my hand looks like this now." There's just one line about that in the movie where Dumbledore's like, I destroyed the Horcrux ring, fucked up my hand. Yeah. That was tough. <laughs> We're like, all right. We see this the same memory twice. Yeah. Slughorn's memory of a uh, young Tom Riddle at school. Yeah. And the first one is a false memory. Yeah. Where it makes it seem like he did something he didn't do. And then Harry gets the real memory. And kind of like the issue that I took with it is that young Tom Riddle is supposed to be really charming in the book. Yeah. Like he's supposed to be super charming and just really good at like kind of schmoozing, schmoozing and, and, and getting people yeah. to tell him what he wants, what he to, wants know. to know. Yeah. But the, the kid that they had, <laughs> he's just a bit of a psycho. He, yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. He will. He so, plays yeah. it. In my opinion, he plays it like someone who's never met a sociopath's idea of what a sociopath is. Like his face is just like completely blank and he has like no emotion or inflection in his voice at all. Yeah. And I'm like, he's supposed to be charming. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't come across charming at all. Like, you know, there's probably a little bit of an edge there of like something's not quite right. Yeah. But he's supposed to be, be kind of likable. At least, yeah, somewhat likable. Otherwise, people wouldn't want to hang out with him. Yeah. Uh, this kid does not necessarily come across that way. No. 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 And another thing going on that scene, and we'll talk about it now because we're getting really into the meat of the Horcrux issues in this movie, is that um, he, uh, like we said, in the, okay, so in the book, Dumbledore knows what Horcruxes are. Yes. He knows what they are. He knows... Voldemort's making him. The reason he wants this memory from Slughorn is to kind of round out his knowledge about what Voldemort's plans for the Horcruxes were. Right. He he wants confirmation. He wants confirmation of essentially. His suspicions and he wants to know like the exact number. Yeah. That he Voldemort has the idea. He has the idea that Voldemort's making more than one. Yes. And he wants to know like how many so that now we can kind of figure that out and 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 just kind of confirmation that yes, that is actually what mm-hmm. is going on. Um and and so in the book, we hear the word Horcrux. We hear Riddle say in the memory before it's in the broken memory or the, the, the changed memory. We hear Riddle be like, hey, what's a Horcrux? And then it kind of fades weird. And and Slughorn's like, I don't know what you're talking about. The Hork, get out of here, you yeah. dummy. And then it kind of comes back um, in the movie version of that memory we don't hear him say horcrux it kind of fades out Uh and so the mystery the reveal in the movie 
is of horcruxes in general. Yes. In the book, they're like, they know, they hear the word horcrux and they're kind of thinking about like, well, and so like Hermione's trying to do research and he's like, well, what is a horcrux? Because Dumbledore, this was a little bit of a problem in the book that Dumbledore didn't explain what a horcrux was because Dumbledore knows what it is. Yeah. Why didn't he just tell Harry what it is? And then that was a little strange. So I kind of get the movie going the way it did and, and, and having the horcrux be the reveal. But here's the problem when you do that. It makes this scene, we had so much problems with this scene when we were watching Mm. it. Because Dumbledore, they get out of the memory, they get the full memory, and now Dumbledore knows. What he knows is what's confusing. Because in the book, he already knew what Horcruxes were. I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I'm going to try to establish this. In the (laughs) book, he already knew what Horcrux was. He knew Voldemort was making them. He's just getting confirmation and how many there are. Yes. In the movie, it plays like Voldemort is oh my gosh, he's making horcruxes. Right. It plays like Dumbledore didn't know he was making horcruxes. Yes. And now he's just now figured it out, which is not the case. No. Because he says in the book that he started to figure it out when Harry brought him the diary. And he says that in the movie. He says, I knew knew the diary you brought me was dark, but I didn't know how dark until tonight after they get out of that memory. And I'm like, but that's not true because literally the next sentence, he's like, uh, by the way, I think I found another one of these things, another yeah. Horcrux. And I'm like, well, how are you finding them if right. you well, didn't know what already, they were? He's already destroyed the ring, too. Yeah. So if he didn't know, how could he have found the ring if he didn't know he was looking for Horcruxes? And it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. And so he, the movie tries to play it both ways where he, it's, it's like he didn't know what Horcruxes were or didn't realize Riddle was making Horcruxes until that memory. But then he very clearly had to have known in order to be doing the other things he's been doing. Yeah. In the mo- it, it's, I'm sitting there like, wait a second. You can't, what, what, what are you saying Dumbledore knew and didn't know? Like, I'm so confused. It's, it's so fucking strange. It's so strange. It, yeah, uh, it's yeah. that the hor- handling of Horcruxes was really rough. And then again, the idea that Horcruxes could be anything—it's yeah. just nonsense. No. no. Oh, and then so, and then at at the end of that scene, Dumbledore goes, "Harry, I want you to come with me. I think I found another one. I want you to come with me." And Harry's like, "Cool." And then the scene cuts, and Dumbledore's up in the tower talking to Snape. And Harry's coming up the stairs. Yeah, it's and a, I was it's like, "It's a weird cut." Wait, where are we? What happened? Because it would have been one thing if Dumbledore was like, all right, you want to come with me? Tomorrow at dawn, come to the astronomy astronomy tower tower, or whatever whatever. or something. I assume that's the idea, but it's just so jarring because it seems like they're about to go right then. And then all of a sudden Snape's there and then they're in a different place. Something ended up on the cutting room floor Uh, there. Absolutely something that was on the cutting room floor. The transition is very confusing. And I'm like, wait, what's going on? Okay, fine. Um, but then they head out on their adventure to the Cliffs of Insanity. Yeah, they do. They, we get to the Cliffs of Insanity. Uh, in the book, they have to swim, which is a fun yeah. fact. They have to swim into the cave. And Dumbledore's apparently really good at Got a great breaststroke. Yeah. Got a great breaststroke. Yeah, I like the. I, I, I would have been fun to see uh, Dumbledore swimming with his wand in his mouth, like a knife, <laughs> like a fucking, you know, he's got his yeah. knife in his mouth, swimming. It would have been badass, but no swimming. They just get into the cave. And I thought this was really interesting. In the book... There, so they find the place, the entrance to the cave, and Dumbledore's kind of like doing magic. Mm-hmm. And there's a great line in the book here where Harry's kind of watching Dumbledore do this, and he's kind of like murmuring and like feeling around and like whispering to himself. And Harry's like, this is really interesting. And he goes, uh, you know, 
it's very a different type of magic. He goes, but I found that uh, loud noises and 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 sparks are often the sign of an unskilled wizard as yes. opposed to a skilled wizard. Where Dumbledore's doing like not even really using his wand. He's just it's sort of like very subtle feeling the yeah. magic and like you know doing super advanced stuff. Um, but he finds out this door is there, and Dumbledore realizes he goes ah, and he makes a joke or not a joke. He he chuckles to him himself and goes. How crude riddle or something like that, and because he realizes he has, yeah, it's like a blood door. You need to, yeah, you have to give a, a blood offering, a blood to offering get to get in. And Dumbledore, uh, very much is derisive of this type of magic. He's like, this is mm-hmm. very Voldemort thing to do because, again, Voldemort puts all of his stock in like power, yes. and his idea is that you have to weaken yourself before you get in. And and it's just I like the idea, and they don't play this in the movie at all. That Dumbledore is like, this guy never learns. It's always the same with him. Like you know, he's just like, always, yeah. he's got his priorities on the wrong thing. And then so Harry, uh, so he cuts his hand, and they open it, and they get inside, and then they uh, all that stuff's pretty good. This, the the, yeah, the, the way all this plays is out is yeah. pretty good. And we get to the end where he's drinking the potion, and the potion in the book it's supposed to be violently green. Yes. Like it's like neon green as described in the book. This is a little thing. I don't care that they changed it because they do a very interesting sort of aesthetic choice with this whole. Yeah, the color grading in that scene looked really interesting. Yeah, I actually, I asked I like you it. what it was called. Yeah, it, it doesn't. Really, so I don't know. Odd. I'm sure it has a name. It's very high contrast. Very. Um, uh, it's also like a black and white essentially yeah. with like a blue hue to it, kind of like a bluish purplish yeah, like hue. Not quite black and white. Yeah, like blue's the only color you can kind of see. Like mm-hmm. Carrie's jacket has blue stripes on it, and you can kind of see that. But yeah, it's 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 very interesting. I actually like it. I think it looks cool. But so the potion ends up kind of just being like blackish, bluish, yeah. which is fine. Mm-hmm. But but the whole reason the cover of the book's green, right, is yes. because they're at that potion <laughs> at and the, it's the it's, light is emanating, it's glowing from, at them. Yeah, and it's like ah, oh, that's all. The, the, re- the book cover is... You change the book cover. <laughs> you can't do that. Oh, also, there's no setup for the Inferi. They yeah. never mentioned in no. this movie. And they are mentioned several times, several times in, in the, the book. book before we get to this. And they're even... When they get there, Dumbledore even says, like, those are Inferi out there, pretty much. Like, yeah. they see the one jump, and he goes, yeah, those are... Remember fire. They don't like fire. Yeah, they all look like Gollum. They do in all the look movie. like Gollum. It just looked like a million Gollums. They absolutely running do look up like out Gollum. of the water. Oh, we're almost there. This hasn't been as long as some of our. Oh, it's pretty close. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, great line again. The the moments with Harry and Dumbledore, they just don't ever hit in this movie series for me. They yeah. just never land. And there's a great line when they're leaving the cave. After Dumbledore is dying, essentially, from drinking this potion, he's, like, slowly dying. And Harry says, don't worry, to Dumbledore. And Dumbledore responds, I'm not worried, Harry. I'm with you. Yeah. The thing that I love about that line in the book is that it's a callback to an earlier line. Oh, yeah? Before Harry leaves um, with Dumbledore when he's leaving instructions with Ron and Hermione because he suspects that something is going to go down. Yes. So he leaves instructions with them and he gives them the he last, gives them the of, last the, of the Felix Felicis. Yeah, the, the good luck potion. Yeah. And they're like, uh, well, don't you want it? Because yeah. you're about to go do this super dangerous yeah. thing. And Harry says, I'll be fine. I'll be with Dumbledore. Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, it is a good callback in that way because, yeah, Dumbledore dying, and it's just one of those moments where it's 
it's such an important little character moment for the both of them. Yes. And to not have it again, it just truly feels like the person adapting these movies didn't understand Dumbledore at all. Yeah. Like not, I would say at all, but just didn't understand what makes Dumbledore Dumbledore. <laughs> like they just <laughs> did, they missed almost everything of 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 value about his character that is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's like a super good wizard. Like, that's part of it, but, like, that's the least important part of what makes him an interesting character. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say the least. It's, it's like, one of the least important parts of what makes him an interesting character. It's the little things about how he talks and his, his personality and his playfulness and his... Uh, but ability to be incredibly intimidating while being playful or but also yeah. he doesn't take himself seriously. He, he doesn't take himself There's seriously about Dumbledore while also being incredibly cocky at the same time. Yes. Like, you know, he mentions and at least I liked that they did at least have like at least one of those lines in this where when he's drinking the potion and Harry's like, well, I should do it. And Dumbledore's like, I'm way more clever than you. Like I should, do. <laughs> like you know, and like there's moments like that where, you, you know, he's incredibly cocky at times because he knows he's in really good. But it, yeah, but he also doesn't take himself too seriously. Yeah. And it's just he's so nuanced and so interesting. And the movie just don't capture like any of that. It's yeah, really the, rough. The movies just really struggle with and Dumbledore. And it's, it's hard. I can imagine it being tough to do. Like mm-hmm. that's a because it's a very nuanced kind of thing to it's it, it's you have to have a lot of moments and a lot of little lines that and it have to be played. They have to land just right. Yeah. In order for it to feel right, and I can see why it would be tough, but they they didn't pull it off in these movies. He still has moments where he's all right, but it's just uh, probably the worst overall things about the films. So the big scene. Oh, the big scene. Dumbledore's death. We're yeah. there. This is it. Um, so I like the visual change in the movie where they have Harry. Uh, Dumbledore tells Harry to hide downstairs. Yeah. And uh, he's looking up. Right. Because you can kind of see through. He sees through the floor and he can see up to where Dumbledore and Malfoy are. In the book, uh, Harry is under his cloak, his invisibility cloak, and mm-hmm. Dumbledore petrifies him. So he can't move. Um, and so he's he's petrified, so he can't move. So he literally is powerless to to intervene. Yes. On in in anything that's happening with Malfoy and Snape and Dumbledore. In the, now, this is a really interesting change. And originally, I forgot about this moment because I was like, you when when I we see him down there, I'm like, you can't do that. You can't have him down there because Harry would never. Even though Dumbledore's like, stay down there and don't come up no, no matter Harry what. Harry never. just absolutely would not let. Like, if, especially if Malfoy there, like he because he knows he can take Mal. It's not like Malfoy's like, yeah. a, you know, he could handle Malfoy. There's no way in a million years he would just stay down there and let Dumbledore die. Like, it just wouldn't. That's just mm-hmm. not Harry is, if anything, like tragically um, heroic, heroic. Yeah. So so it's like, oh, that would never work. But this is where it's interesting is they add the scene where Snape shows up. In the book, Snape just runs in or kind of comes up through the doorway. And again, Harry's invisible and, mm-hmm. and can't move. And then, then it all plays out similarly. In the movie, Snape comes up behind Harry and walks up to him and goes, Shh, and like, yeah, I'm going to go take care of this. And Harry goes, OK, like Harry trusts him in that moment. And it's a really interesting change for a couple of reasons, I think. One, it's a little tough to buy that Harry would trust. Harry has notoriously not trusted Snape. Always. Yes. Forever. (laughs) But that's book. Here's the thing. This change where, because it is a very interesting change in the sense that now it's like this super violation of trust 
Harry trusted Snape to fix this problem, and Snape killed Dumbledore. Yeah, and so like it, it he did the opposite of fix it. Yes, so it, I, it's like a very dramatic moment for the viewers and for mm-hmm. us watching. You're like, oh fuck! You were like, I wanted to like you, Snape. You came, and we thought you were gonna save the day, and then you fucked it up. You fucked it all up. <laughs> like so, I get it from a dramatic moment, like why it, why it was appealing, but this would ne- this only works with movie Snape. For a couple of yes. reasons. One, he's not nearly as awful and Harry no, doesn't hate him nearly not. as much in the movies. He's way less awful he, in the movies. Way less awful in, in the, the movies book. than he is in the book, in, in all the books. But more importantly, as we mentioned earlier, they left out the fact that Harry learns that Snape is the reason his parents are dead. Yeah. If that had happened earlier in this movie... The scene, this scene would not work at all. It would 0% work because Harry would be like, oh, vote Snape, cool. Gavada Kadabra, like he would just fucking kill him, or like right, like or try to, like there, there's no way it would work. So they had to drop the scene, which again is kind of important that Harry finds out that Snape is the reason his parents are dead. It's interesting. It's an interesting change, but yeah, it's one of those changes that only ever could have worked in the movies. I prefer the way the book does it. I know mm-hmm. why the movie changed it because again, we talked about this a little bit. A lot of the scenes where Harry's under an invisibility cloak. They change it so he's not under invisibility cloak yeah, so we can see it's him. It's not very interesting. It's Yeah, it's not as interesting. So I get it. They would have to come up with a very clever way to shoot it if they did it the way it was in the book to mm-hmm. make it as tense as it is in the movie. I think they could have done it. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting change. And I uh, it never would have worked in the book. Like with the book characters being the book characters, the way they do it in the movie just never would have worked. No, it wouldn't have made a, any not sense. Not in a million years. No. I also love that Malfoy says something about mudbloods and Dumbledore is like, don't say that word around me. I'm like, Dumbledore (laughs) is dying and he's still calling out bigots. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Uh, Um, Yeah, a lot of uh, little things that were missing since they eliminated the the little battle. They eliminate and and I read that the reason they got rid of this was they didn't want it to be redundant with the battle at the end of Deathly Hollows Part 2. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been redundant. Probably not. But I also think they just didn't want to take away from the drama of Snape di- or Dumbledore dying and Harry yeah, chasing Snape. Uh, that's fair enough. I get it. Um, but there's some little things you miss. And my big thing, again, I've mentioned this every time because there's so many moments where Hagrid gets to go fucking beast mode on people and we never get to see it in the movie. I'm If it doesn't happen in any of the seven ones, I'm going to be so <laughs> upset because in this one, there's a moment where he runs out of his hut as the Death Eaters are running away out to get out of Hogwarts ground so they can apparate. And Hagrid comes running out and starts fighting them all. And they're like trying to stun him or curse him or whatever. And they're just bouncing off him because he's a fucking giant or half giant. (laughs) I was just like, how fucking sweet would that be? And again, they do the same thing in the end of the book five and we don't see it where they the same thing happens. Um, And we didn't see it in the movie. It's just one one time where people are trying to shoot spells at Hagrid and he goes full Hulk mode and just starts breaking people. Like, why don't we ever get to see that in the movies? It's so disappointing. And it just feels like a thing that it's like made for being in the movie, like a moment of Hagrid going beast mode. But there is an interesting moment with Snape. Yeah. At the end of the movie. Yeah, and this was a lot of speculation. I remember this when Six came out because it's an interesting dialogue choice where Harry is chasing Snape and he's casting spells at him. Mm-hmm. And he, every time he casts it, he says, you know, stupefy or crucio or whatever. He, I think he tries to crucio him at one point and Snape's blocking them all easily. And he yells at Harry. He's like, basically says, you, 
gotta learn your nonverbal spells, or I'm never. You're never gonna. Yeah, because he'll all he'll always know what's coming. Yeah, I always know it's coming if you don't master nonverbal spells. And uh, they drop that from the movie completely. Yeah. It's not in there. Again, they drop nonverbal spells kind of complete. Although they do nonverbal spells in the movie, like in the duel between Harry and Draco in the bathroom, they're both not saying anything until he says Septim yeah. Semper. But it's kind of one of our little clues to the readers in the book that Snape potentially potentially still trying to help. Yeah, giving and, Harry some very important advice yes, there. Yes, that Harry needs. Yeah. Um, which is it's interesting. Uh I don't know how much I like it because I don't necessarily I the more I've thought about it and the more I've come to not like Snape over the course of the books rereading them, I don't know if it necessarily makes sense that Snape would do that. Like yeah. he he doesn't like Voldemort for his very own very personal selfish reasons like Snape's the only reason Snape's yeah. doing what he's doing is because he hates Voldemort because Lily's dead but like but like he also doesn't like Harry he also doesn't for like his Harry. own very personal and very selfish reasons and, and it's just it feels like and I mean I guess the idea is that he he's hoping he wants ultimately wants Harry to defeat Voldemort yeah even though he hates him it's just I don't know it's like eh. Yeah, I'm not sure I necessarily buy him still like teaching him in this moment. Like, no, we gotta uh, learn them nonverbal spells, by the way. Uh, Hagrid doesn't cry enough in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> when Dumbledore dies in the book, he's just supposed to be crying and, and like uh, unconsolable. In the movie, he's just kind of standing there looking at Dumbledore's body. And I'm like, Dumbledore, Hagrid is an incredibly emotional person yes. in all of the books. And Dumbledore was. His father. His father. Essentially his father, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he should be absolutely bawling, or at least... And he's not. He's just kind of standing there looking sad in the movie, and it's like, ah, yeah. uh, it's... Mm. Um, and then we don't get any of the stuff at the end with Bill and Fleur. Because Fleur, neither of them are in it. Bill gets turned into a slightly werewolf, he's, a werewolfish. He's werewolfish, yeah. Yeah, he gets bit by Fenrir, but Fenrir's not in werewolf form, so they're not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, they're kind of like, we don't know, we've never seen this before. Yeah. But Bill gets all mangled, and uh, they're, Mrs. Weasley's implying when they're in the hospital wing that Fleur's not going to want to marry him anymore, and Fleur gets a great character moment of like... I think I want to marry him. Yeah. They're like, and she's like, get out of my way. I'm taking care of him. He's my husband. Um, so like she kind of redeems herself in the eyes of everybody by being fiercely loyal to Bill. But uh we, yeah, we don't yeah, again, we don't get any of those those yeah. characters. We don't get Dumbledore's funeral in the movie. Right? Yeah. No, we no. No. no we don't, which whatever. It's it feels like we needed it. Is it at the beginning of the next movie? I don't it remember. Might it might be at the beginning of the next movie. I can't remember. But uh, there's a funeral at the end of this one, and lots of people are there. It's kind of interesting because like Umbridge is there and stuff. Yeah, it's Umbridge kind of, shows up. And yeah, and like you're like, eh, it's 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 an interesting scene. Um, and Grop is there, which yes. is the fun thing, which would have been nice to see. Grop shows up and he's like in a suit, and he's 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 come a long way since we've last seen <laughs> Grop. He's um being very well mannered and uh, consoling Hagrid <laughs> yeah. uh, in a suit, which would have been fun to see. And then Harry breaks up with Jenny, and then the book ends. Pretty much. <laughs> Which they don't show that. Uh, they don't I don't wonder if they're going to do anything in the beginning of Seven to sort of... I don't remember 
seven or eight. No. Like at all. Also, though, they didn't do very much to establish them as actually in a relationship yeah, in no. this movie. In fact, I would argue that the movie kind of does the opposite yeah. by having her say something about like hiding. Hiding him. In the, yeah, yeah, in the Or hiding her in the, yeah. Like it implies that they're keeping their relationship yeah. on the down low. Yeah, because in the book, it's very much not a secret. They're just no. together and, and Ron's okay with it, relatively speaking. Um, but yeah, it, it's and so Harry has to break up with her. He's like, basically, he's like, I'm not coming back to Hogwarts and you're not going to be safe around me. Yeah. So we got to go our own ways. And she's like, all right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, that's it. That's all I have for better than the book. Uh, there uh, lots of little things and then some major, major, like weird things. That, again, this movie overall, I thought was pretty good adaptation. Relatively yeah. speaking, it's just some of the weird. It's. It doesn't have the same problems that four and five did. Yeah. Where it's like hard to follow and there's big plot yeah. holes. Yeah. Um, but it's just little things that yeah. don't add up it's, if you didn't read the books. <laughs> it's kind of like a, it's a paler, less interesting version of the book, of the story. Yeah. But it is shot really well, which helps. The movie looks yeah. gorgeous. It's really well paced. I think it's, it's probably my favorite since three. Mm hmm. And, and and overall, uh, it's I I thought it was pretty good, but uh, yeah, it's definitely not without faults. But it's not nearly yeah. as bad as four or five. Yeah, it is. It is shot more interestingly. Yeah. I you think you're right on that. Yeah, than well, four or five. It was nominated for an Oscar for that, which none of the other ones were. So there you go. <laughs> Let's do Muggle Questions Part Two. What is an auror? McGonagall said that. I don't know. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Um, an Auror is a dark wizard catcher. Yes. We've um, kind of made this comparison before, kind of like a, a wizarding world version of the FBI. Or something like that. Something yes. like that. Um, I think, yeah. And uh, they're mentioned in book five. Oh, they're mentioned numerous times, but because we, they're mentioned maybe first in book four, because they mentioned that Mad-Eye Moody was an Auror. Yeah. And again, I don't think that's mentioned in the movies. Um, but in the book it is. And then in five, Harry tells, and this scene was cut out, where he, he decides what he wants to do for his career, and he tells McGonagall, I want to be an Auror. Yeah. And that's what where Trevor's question comes from, because McGonagall comes up in the beginning of this movie and goes, hey, did you still want to be an Auror? You need to take potions and the, that, that whole thing, which is kind of how it plays out in the book similarly. But... That's like the only time you would know what you're like, what? And he wants to be an R. What? When did that happen? I don't because, again, that's not in movie five. Right. Unless it's a deleted scene, which it might be. But yeah, that's what an R is. They catch bad wizards, which is obviously why Harry wants to do it. Is it an inherently bad thing to talk to snakes? I know we've learned that Salazar Slytherin did it. Everyone was weirded out that Harry could do it. Is it just because Salazar Slytherin could talk to snakes and the parcel tongue thing that that's why it's not good to talk to snakes? So this is... Um... It's a skill that's associated with evil because a lot of dark wizards could do it, yes. um, including Slytherin and Voldemort. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't say that there's anything inherently no. bad. And Grindelwald, about, I believe. Yeah. I think, too. I think, well, we'll find out for sure in probably Fantastic Beasts, too. But I can't remember. I think he did, did too. Probably. Yeah. And the reason Harry can do it is because Voldemort cursed him. Not or not Harry didn't have it innately. Right. It's because he has part of Voldemort's soul inside of him. Yeah. That's why he can talk to snakes. What was the end game of the attack on the Weasleys on Christmas Day? What 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 was the point? Uh, the end game on that attack was kind of we talked about earlier symbolically, thematically. It, that, it's, that, yeah, that loss of the innocence. loss of innocence, the loss of a, a place that he you know his home essentially. Um, but yeah, narratively, it's kind of an attempt on Harry's life. Although it's made clear that Voldemort wants to kill Harry himself, 
later. Yeah, so so like, that doesn't really make sense. Uh, so it's kind of just a reminder of who the Death Eaters are. And that's yeah. kind of what I saw it as. It's like, remember these people? They're evil and they're destructive. And yeah. They're about to burn your house also, down. Also, remember she killed Sirius because she yells it again in this part of the movie. I killed Sirius Black. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember Harry doesn't like her. Okay, well, moving on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So that's kind of the point of that. Um, there really wasn't an endgame, though. They're just causing destruction. Maybe they were trying to get Harry maybe like get him for the uh, Voldemort I don't it, yeah it's not really clear and again it's not in the book so we have no extra knowledge on that let's do better in the movie my life has taught me one lesson Hugo and not the one I thought it would happy endings only happen in the movies I think it was a good decision although I missed the talking between the two ministers I think it was a good idea to show us the stuff they talk about yes instead of just having um, them talk the, about it the bridge collapsing and all because they stuff. mentioned that bridge collapse in that scene in the book mm-hmm. but we just hear them talk about it seeing it happen in the movie makes a lot of sense finally that thing I've been talking about throughout all the movies show the death eaters doing bad things so we understand yes. that they're bad you don't just tell yeah. us that they're bad A basic writing principle show yes. don't tell yeah um, so I like that. Uh, I wish they would have interspersed it. I wish they would have had the opening muggle scene. Yes. And then cut when he cut starts to... talking about it, cut to us seeing the events happening. That yes. would have been cool. Um, I think they could have done that, but, you know. Um, we also see them take um, who I assume was Ollivander. It, yeah, because it was. It, we see Harry and Ron go there later and they say yeah. this is Ollivander's shop and that was the one from earlier. And that's mentioned in the book that Ollivander is missing. Yes. But we see them take him in this opening scene in the movie, which I thought was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Just to, I, I don't think you would know that as a movie watcher. You wouldn't put together that was Ollivander until later when Harry and Ron showed up. If you remember, that was the same story you might. Yeah. But um, but. It, I think it works on that other level of like, oh, that's them doing something really horrible and yeah. scary. And we get kind of this idea of how terrified people would be yeah. that that could happen to them. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also think that moving the unbreakable vow scene was a good idea. I agree, too. They move it way back in the yes. book. It's like the second chapter. In the movie, it happens after the introduction of sort of all, reintroduction of all our heroes again, basically. Yeah. Um, so we, we get to see the protagonists sooner, which is important for a movie. Yeah. Um, and it also moves the making of that vow closer to when we see Draco. So yeah. we have some kind of like association there yeah. in our minds. Uh, I thought this was a little fun detail, but when Harry and Ron get to potions and they're going to get there, they don't have books because they weren't going to take potions and mm-hmm. they go to get them and there's two left. One of them's like a new good copy and the other one's like the shitty beat up Half-Blood Prince copy and they like stand there for a second and then wrestle over it. Yeah. That was a fun like good moment between <laughs> them. It just makes sense as like two teenagers like, oh, what the fucking shit? No, you know, like it, I thought it was fun. That was a, a good little moment. And this is a big change, but I think it makes sense. And it's, it maybe doesn't make sense in the book because we are third-person limited yes, perspective. Yes, we're more or less limited to Harry. So we don't know what Malfoy's doing because Harry doesn't know what Malfoy's doing. Mm-hmm. But in the movie, we get to see him working on the cabinet, the yes. vanishing cabinet. We don't necessarily know what he's doing or why, but we but see him. We know he's up to something. He's up to something. And I think that works pretty well. I think it's a good sort of mystery through line of us trying to mm-hmm. figure out what is he doing with this cabinet? What is this? What's the goal here? Like what? Right. And especially if you are going to cut the plot line about Harry being super suspicious and trying to figure out what he's doing, we need to have some kind of consistent through line reminder that, yes, he is up to something. And it also works really well in a movie because, again, you get to 
almost all those scenes have no dialogue. We're just showing. Because if mm-hmm. you're doing it the way the book does it, all we get is lines of Harry looking at the Marauder map going, what is Malfoy up to? Like, that's how <laughs> it would play out in the movie if yeah. they kept that. But instead, cutting that and showing Malfoy working on this thing is a good, mysterious, like, what is going on? I, so I think that that's a pretty solid way to do that. Uh, Drunk Slughorn. <laughs> yeah, he spills his drink all over Hermione. When they're in the three broomsticks. And it, I remember cracking up in the theater at this line. He spills his drink on Hermione. He's like, oh, all hands on deck, Granger. <laughs> it's just a great <laughs> line. And it's just, I always made me laugh. And I remember I had a vivid moment of remembering laughing at that line the first time <laughs> I saw the movie. Um. So then Harry and Ron are talking about Ginny uh, dating. Yes. And Harry is like trying to play it cool and yeah. like not reveal to Ron. That Ron's he likes like, her. why would anybody like Jenny? Like, why? Do, what do those guys see in Jenny? And Harry's like trying to like, I don't know, like you know, she's smart and funny and she's got nice skin. Like, Harry, you picked literally the creepiest <laughs> thing. Like the creepiest yeah. possible thing could have said nice hair, yeah. nice eyes. But no, you want nice skin. skin. I like the idea. Again, I think they're going for the awkward teenager. He's trying to come it. up with something he doesn't want to say, and she's got nice boobs, baby. Like you know, <laughs> but like he, so he tries to come up with something innocuous, and so he's come. The first thing he kind of stumbles <laughs> upon is like skin. She's got nice skin. I feel like the only way you could have been creepier is to say she had nice feet. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> this is great. A McGonagall line, which is not uh, when in the movie, they, when or they, not in the book. When they get back um, after Katie Bell gets cursed, cursed McGonagall just there. looks at them and it says, "Why is it always <laughs> you three? And Ron is like, "I've been asking myself that for six years. <laughs> it's it's like, a good McGonagall is done with your shit, <laughs> yeah. you guys. Yeah, it's good. I like it. It's pretty fun. Um, I think the movie handles the Ron fake drinking the Felix Felicis better than the book. Because mm-hmm. I, I remember rereading it in the book and thinking, well, this is weird. Because in the book, all of these lucky things do happen. And it, uh, and I'm like, but he didn't drink it. Yeah. So then all these random lucky things just happened to happen? Like the I mean... one player. It, it just seemed weird. And, and like in the movie... Um, I think they just make it play out better in the movie where Ron knows because in the book, Ron drinks it before he realizes that Harry supposedly put the stuff in. Ron Mm -hmm. just drinks it. And then afterwards, Hermione's like, did you put something in his drink? Did you what? And like and Ron's like, what? And then it's it's to me, it seems unclear whether or not Ron knew before the match that he had Felix Felicis in his drink. It's very clear in the movie that yes. he does know or that he thinks he did, which makes more sense that he would then uh, be all carefree and like, yeah, I'll be fine. I don't know. Right. I, I just thought it made more sense in the movie the way they did it. It played out better. Um, but So before we talked a little bit about the, the Christmas party, yeah. the Slughorns, um, but there's also a preliminary like yeah, dinner a little party, dinner, yeah. Um, to see who makes the cut, basically, is yeah. the idea. Uh, so we get that scene in the movie, and there's part of it that I love when Hermione says that her parents are dentists. Yeah. 
where you wouldn't notice it unless you were looking at Harry, but when she says that, he, like, looks around the table at everyone like he's daring them to say shit about her parents. <laughs> I did not and notice that. And it's amazing. That. I did not notice that. That's pretty funny. Um, this is a great line. Uh, it's a little addition. I also remember chuckling at this, where Hermione is talking to Harry and saying, like, you know... Uh, Romilda Vane wants to go out with you. She thinks you're the chosen one. Yeah. And Harry, but I am the chosen one. <laughs> it's, just, it's good. It's a good line. It's good. It's funny. It's it's a it's a nice little ad. Um, and it plays into Harry. And it's just it, it it makes it. It's something you don't really see much in the books of Harry uh, kind of making light of the situation yeah. a little bit, which yeah. you think he might some to some extent. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what else can you do? Yeah. We already talked about the attack on the burrow. I and I I want to talk about this again because I I, I want to mention it. I, I don't like this change about the horcruxes and the and the memory with the horcruxes where in the book we know, hear him say horcrux, but in the movie we don't. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. But the thing that does make sense, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, is that in the book, when we know when Harry knows it's a horcrux that he's trying to get this memory about right again why doesn't Dumbledore explain what that is to him just so he at least know has a vague because like Hermione's doing all this research also Hermione can find literally nothing about these like anywhere guess would that it would be in the restricted she 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 said she looked at the entire restricted she found in in one book in the restricted section and it's probably the same one Tom Riddle found because he found one book in the restricted section yeah that says it's in in uh I think it's called like a magic most evil or something like that is the name of the book or whatever. Um, it says one line about like, and, and, and horcruxes are real fucked up basically. <laughs> like, so don't mess with those. And that's like all there is. And so she doesn't know anything about them. And I think the um, implication, that's like the same thing riddle found and he just wanted to know what they were, but it's like, it's really like, I feel like people would at least know <laughs> I bet it would be really hard to do, but people would understand the idea of what a Horcrux is. Like, it doesn't yeah. seem like that, just the knowledge of what it is, because it is such an crazy, powerful, intense piece of magic that people, it like, in the sense of, like, even, like, an urban legend type of thing of, right. like, people, I feel like there would be some sort of cultural knowledge of what a Horcrux is. You would think. I don't know. I I guess Dumbledore bans books. I guess he does. I guess he does. It just was strange to me. And so having it where they don't have to go do... Ah, anyways. Yeah. Um, um, I also thought that having Harry like try to mimic yes. the Slughorn memory was an interesting the, choice. The first time he tries to get Slughorn to give him the memory, he basically plays... <laughs> Play acts exactly yeah. what Thomas Riddle, Tom Riddle said to him. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> There's a great line from Dumbledore. This is a good one. This is a good Dumbledore. They yes. add him, but this is the thing. They add random other Dumbledore lines that yeah, are like, still okay. In, instead of keeping his great lines, really from great the lines, book, they just add their own Dumbledore that aren't lines. quite as good, but are still okay. And this is one of the moments where you finally see a little bit of the Dumbledore. Is is where Ron's in the hospital wing and Lavender comes in. And Hermione's there, and and Ron is asleep, and he mumbles Hermione yeah. in his sleep, and Lavender loses her shit and runs out. <laughs> she like starts bawling and runs out of the hospital wing, and it cuts to Dumbledore, and he's ah to be young and feel love's keen sting, <laughs> which that's a good, that's yeah. a fun it's... Dumbledore line. It's the only, it's one of the only times they capture him at all. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. But again, just give him the other fucking lines. Give him the other lines. Um, I liked the way the movie portrayed the effects of 
I had that in the movie nailed it, but yeah, it's, 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 it's really good. Um, and I, in specific, I love the scene where he's sitting there talking where they're at Aragog's funeral and, uh, Somebody says something about the eyes or whatever. I think Slughorn says something about their eyes or something. And Harry yeah. goes, don't forget the pincers. <laughs> and he makes his hand like it's, he moves his hand like pincers by his face. It's great. Uh, I thought again, I, I thought uh, Radcliffe was great in that whole sequence. Yeah. Like I, I thought he was brilliant. Um, I actually like this isn't a completely fabricated thing for the movie where when S- Harry's getting the memory about riddle from slughorn in hagrid's cabin and hagrid passes out i like the little story they added for slughorn where he's telling the story about the fish in the bowl and there Mm -hmm. was a a a flower that turned into a fish and i thought it was a very poetic interesting yeah and it's a a personal connection yeah to to lily Lily. other than him just always saying oh she's so so, talented she's so talented and so smart yeah but she gave him this thing and he really cherished it and like I thought it was a really, really, it's a really well-acted scene, a really well-delivered scene. I think he does a really good job with it. But I thought it was really a, a smart way to change that scene to really tie, understand why Slughorn cared about her so much mm-hmm. and why he's thus willing to give Harry this memory yes. to some extent. Yeah, so. it was a good choice. Um, we get another good Dumbledore line yeah. that they added. Yeah, again, they um, added it. It's not from the book. But when they're uh, they're going to the cave... Yes. Right? So this happens, yeah. So they're about to apparate, and Harry says, I thought you couldn't apparate on Hogwarts grounds. Dumbledore turns to him and says, being me has its privileges. (laughs) Which, again, good. That's a good... Yeah, it's uh, a good Dumbledore line. A couple little moments where they capture it. There's just not enough of it. Uh, I like the shot. It's it doesn't happen in the book at all. Where Harry gets drugged, he does get grabbed by the Inferi on the yeah. island in the cave, and like he kind of is struggling. In the b- movie, he gets pulled under the water, and uh, whatever, it's fine. The thing I like about it is we get a really cool shot of the fire <laughs> rushing yeah, across. A, it looks we really get a, neat. A cool visual. Yeah, because we're seeing from that drug point, underwater. Yeah, we're seeing point of view from under the water, kind of, and past Harry's outline, and then yeah, you see it's kind of greeny blue up there, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden these flames are. It just looks really cool, and you wouldn't be able to get that shot unless you fell underwater. So yeah, I mean, again, it's 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 kind of cool, and I think that whole sequence with Dumbledore in the yeah, fire is pretty cool. awesome. And then this is a little thing, not a little thing. Um, it's kind of like the big moment after Dumbledore dies. And this mm-hmm. is not in the book, but I think it's a, a, a smart addition. Yeah, especially since we don't see his funeral yes. at the end of this. Everybody's gathered in the courtyard around his body, um, all of the students and teachers and everything. And uh, they had fired the dark mark into the Bellatrix had fired mm-hmm. the dark mark into the sky after Dumbledore died. Whereas in the book, it happens before he dies. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Um and uh, they all, like, one at a time start raising their wands into the air. And they all do it. And eventually they all do it. And then it, like, disintegrates mm-hmm. and breaks away the... Yeah, it's it's a the nice dark moment. Mark. It's a nice moment. And I, it's of, just... Like, unity. Yeah. That's it for Better in the Movie. Let's do Muggle Questions Part 3. Was the apple slash canary being teleported in the cabinet significant? Was it code? What was the point of that? So we've mentioned that Malfoy is trying to repair the cabinet. 
um, so that it can transfer things between the one that's at Hogwarts and the other one that's at Borgen and Burks. Yes. So he's like testing it with these different things, and the apple comes back with like a big chunk missing. Yeah. Um, and the the first bird dies. Yeah, comes back dead. So we know that the cabinets aren't ready yet. Yes. And yeah. then that third, that well, second bird, I guess. Yeah. The second bird comes back alive. Alive. And we're like, boom. Yeah. It's good to go. Why is the room of requirement full of so much shit from what looks like a garage sale? It was very clean and tidy in the last book slash movie. The room of requirement changes to suits the needs of the user. And this particular version of the room of requirement uh, is not the same version, obviously, that they yeah. used for Defense Against the right. Dark Arts. Earlier, they needed it to be a training, like a training ground, yeah. a classroom, yeah. basically. In this book, it appears most often as a place to hide. Yes. To and, hide things. And, and that's why it's full of junk, is because students for centuries have been hiding their junk yeah. in this room, and teachers and all kinds of people have been hiding their junk in this room. So that's why it's full of stuff. Like, literally, over yeah. the last 300, however many years Hogwarts has existed... I, I guess the movies didn't do a very good job of explaining no. the room of requirement. No, they didn't. And it and it also, it's not clear. I don't think that that's why what it is, is that it's there are people hiding stuff in it. Yeah. It's just he gets in there and there's stuff in there. But yeah, in the book, it's made it's explained that he because Harry finds it for the first time as this version of the room of requirement when he's trying to hide the which we see it in the movie too but when he's trying to hide the potion book mm-hmm. he he goes to the room requirement he's like i need some more to hide this i need some more to hide this and then it shows up and then it's this room and that's where the vanishing cabinet is too so yeah did they go into the books on why aragog died was it just old age uh old age yeah i think i don't think they have specifically said he says he's sick Her- hagrid says he's sick early in the book yeah. which they're mentioned it a couple times in the b- movie it just comes out of nowhere and he's just dead at the end and we don't even see- get a setup for it in the book hagrid invites hagrid mentions to him at one point that aragog is sick and then once Her- aragog dies he asks harry to come down to the funeral and that's why harry goes yeah. down there not just randomly decides well i mean it is kind of random because of the felix but there's also the funeral, and that's why he's going down there. But uh, yeah, it's just old age, not, not anything yeah, specific. Yeah, he's getting up there for a spider, I would think. Yeah. So. All right, movie nailed it. Nailed it. Um, Horace Slughorn transforming into and out of an armchair. Yes. Well, I think it looked really great. Cool. Yeah, because yeah. I could never. I always had a hard time reading the book, and even this time, like picturing what that was supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what is that? And I thought the movie did a really good job of kind of capturing it, where and especially when he transforms out of it and like almost like a transformer, like like and it like deflates yeah. and stuff. <laughs> I thought that was good. I, I thought it worked really well. And the, along lines with that, him repairing Albus repairing the Muggle home after Horace destroys it all to make it look like there was an attack. Yeah, that was a cool cool bit of visual magic. sequence where everything flies around and puts itself back together it's pretty neat um we also get a little bit of a, a nod to like horace's older generation bigotry yeah where um, and this is in the movie and the book yeah where harry uh uh not harry slughorn says um something about how uh lily was uh super talented even though she was muggle-born yeah. And Harry's like, what the fuck does that matter? My my best friend's Muggleborn and she's like the most talented witch at our school. And he and he goes, Oh, don't think I'm a don't think I'm uh Oh, don't think I'm prejudiced or something. Yeah. And then he says something, he's like, Oh, don't think I'm prejudiced. That's just uh yeah, Lily was my favorite and she was Muggleborn. It's sort of like that like it's that weird older generation bigotry where it's like 
it's uh, there it's a it's, it's a problem it's so it's a problem and it's so ingrained that it's not intentionally malicious no but it's still, it's a, still problem. a problem and and especially when they're like i what i don't hate what are you don't please don't think i hate black people my friend john's black he's great like uh, <laughs> it's not okay it's so far from the point yeah <laughs> Uh, the unbreakable vow scene, which we talked a lot a little bit, I thought it was pretty pretty great. Mm-hmm. I think they shot it really well. I think it's performed really well. Uh, Alan Rickman is super good in these movies, um, even though yeah. he's even though he's playing a less obnoxious Snape, um, he does a good job. Um, I thought they did a good job with the the Weasleys wizarding wheezes yeah. shop. Yeah, when we get to go see it, it's really neat, and everything's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Uh, and even Ginny's Pygmy Puff makes an appearance. Although the movie doesn't mention that she named it Arnold. Yeah, I know. It's like the weirdest name for The weirdest for a name for puff. a random little pygmy puff. But it does show up on her shoulder, which I thought was fun. But yeah, it is named Arnold. <laughs> uh, I'm glad they didn't get rid of Malfoy breaking Harry's nose. Yes. Which is good because uh, that's a fucking intense scene. I remember reading that for the first time and being like, holy shit. Like, that was so vividly striking to me. It's something very different about that, about stomping on a person's face mm-hmm. than there is with, like, cursing them with a wand. It seems way more visceral it's, and, like, personal and, like, visceral ruthless. and personal and rage-filled. Yeah. It's just... In a way that, like, magic doesn't come across yeah, as. Yeah. I and mean, he just breaks his nose and leaves him there. I was like, holy shit. And I'm glad they didn't cut that out because it is... It's not as... It doesn't feel as intense in the movie as it read... To yeah. me, of like, holy shit. Like, I just, because you always sort of see them as like bickering, like, and it's the other thing is that Harry's completely helpless at this. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, petri- he's, he's paralyzed on the ground and you stomped on his face. Like, it's ugh, next level, like, awful. But they kept it in, so. Um, I thought they really nailed that first potions class yeah. where Harry follows the prince's instructions yep. and has his great success. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, that's how Hermione's hair should have looked for the entire series. During that scene where she's like flustered and like yeah. frazzled, uh, her hair is all poofy. Yeah, and her everywhere. hair just keeps getting bigger. Yeah, and it looks how it should look. Yes. According to the books of how Hermione's hair looks. Uh, I think when they, when they go into the pensive, and I don't remember if this is how it looks in the older, in the previous movies, but. It, I don't think it was. I think this looks pretty cool where they go in and everything like drops in as like. Almost like oil dripping yes. into water or something like really that. Cool. It looks really neat. And I thought that that was a really cool visualizing of the pensive. Uh, we talked about it, but Quidditch is back. Yeah. Which was cool. And we only see one game, but, and again, we don't get Luna. But it's it's still, it's nice to have at least some Quidditch back in the movie. Which they knew it was going to be the last time we saw Quidditch, so. Um, I did think that they, they did a pretty good job with well we talked about this yeah i think they did it better in the movie yeah yeah i thought they did it better in the movie than i didn't dislike the way they did it in the book i didn't dislike it either i just thought it i don't know i just thought it made more sense in the movie but yeah i I agree yeah did a good job uh katie bell when she gets cursed apart from the clunky setup for that scene yeah looks exactly how i imagined it and very creepy very creepy where she just flies up into the air with her arms out and her hair is like it literally like if you describe read the moment from the book which i'm not gonna be able to Mm -hmm. find it but if you read the moment from the book it is exactly what they show in the movie where her hair is billowing in the wind uh by like some unseen magic wind and her mouth is stretched in a scream a silent scream and she's like with her arms out and it's like yep that's exactly what happens in the in the movie uh, and it is it is creepy. So they they nailed that. Um, Hermione attacking Ron with the birds after he yeah. and Lavender initially hook up. 
I'm glad they did that. They change it in the movie. In the book, he actually gets actually attacked by the birds yes. and gets like cuts on his arms and stuff. Whereas in the movie, she just like flies them at him and they explode or whatever. Um, but I, I'm glad they at least kept that scene in because that's a it was a fun scene. Uh, Lavender Brown, they nailed it. Yes. She cray. <laughs> she is super obsessive and she does a really good job. And apparently she was cast because I think Luna recommended her. The actress who oh, plays Luna, I think, or Hermione, one of the two, uh-huh. like was like, you should get her to play Lavender Brown. And she didn't even audition, I think, and they hmm. or didn't initially audition. I read something about it. Um, but yeah, yeah she that, did a great job. Like that scene where she's drawing in the fog on the train window. Yeah. It's so, oh, it's so creepy. Cool. Oh, it's so awful. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, and I love it at uh, Slughorn's party when Hermione's running away from Cormac everywhere. They yeah. did a good job with that because she constantly is like in the book. Like every time Cormac shows up, she's like, oh, get the fuck out of here. And like, <laughs> I thought they, they captured that pretty well. Um, I also really liked the way they, they, they did the effects of the love potion. Yeah, on Ron. Yeah. Where he's just like super dopey and out of it and just like, is Lavender? <laughs> or is uh, Romilda behind there? Is she in there? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, same, we talked about it, but Harry on Felix, kind of the same idea. Yeah. They did a really good job with that. And the performances for those was really spot on from kind of what I imagined in the book. Uh, I thought they nailed the cave and the creepy lake. Like visually, yes. the final set piece of uh, the, the Horcrux cave. Yeah, really cool. Really cool. And looks pretty much how I imagined it. Mm-hmm. My only, only nick against it is uh, Harry pulls the boat up. Yeah. Instead of Dumbledore using magic, because of course he would just use magic and put like I thought it was weird that he's like, here, Harry, yank this boat out of the box. Some manual yeah. labor yeah. now. Like in the book, he just taps the chain and it pulls the boat up. Which yeah, it, you're we're yeah, wizards. The whole, the whole set piece looked really cool though, and I the giant wall of yeah. swirling fire we talked about, but yeah, that was just so cool looking. Yeah. Oh, I like I said, I love that that final set piece is is great. They did a really good job with it. Um, all right, that was what we had for the movie. Nailed it. We're on the home stretch. Let's uh, round out some muggle questions and then do some general discussion. Why is it so important that Dumbledore take Harry, of all people, to go and get the Horcrux? He literally has a team of people that he could call on, but he chooses Harry. Why? All right, so in the book, Harry specifically asks Dumbledore if he can go along, if Dumbledore yes. finds another Horcrux, which the movie doesn't show. No. Um, but more importantly, Dumbledore knows that Harry will have to take up the mantle of the Horcrux hunt. Yes. So this is training. Yes. Uh, in, ca- in case it's not clear in the movie, which it may not be, Dumbledore fully knows he's going to die. Yes. He fully knows that Malfoy is tasked with killing him, and he has thus made Snape agree to do it in place of Malfoy, which is why when he says Snape, please, at the end, he's not begging for his life in case, again, this is all we find all this out later, kind of, and put it together. But he's not begging for his life. He's begging Snape to do it. Yeah. So that Malfoy doesn't do it. Dumbledore has a plan. Yes. So Dumbledore is fully, fully aware that he's about to die or is going to die very shortly. And yes, Harry has to get the rest of the Horcruxes. Uh, And that leads us to your next question. Dumbledore mentioned that Harry's blood was more precious. Why? Does the book go into that? Uh, Harry's the chosen one. <laughs> yeah. It's Harry who has to kill Voldemort. Yeah. As prophesied. Yeah. And and again, Dumbledore knows he's about to die. Yeah. Like Dumbledore knows he's like, a, yeah, the same thing with why he drinks the potion with all that stuff. He's, he's his, his part of his plan is that he is going to die now. And yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't matter if yeah. he's weakened by all this stuff. Yeah. It's all good. Okay. So Snape is the half-blood prince, but what is the half-blood prince? 
why is Snape the Half-Blood Prince? And what is the big deal that Snape is the Half-Blood Prince? Why is that a thing? I don't understand. It's the title of the movie and I don't understand. And finally, the final question, what is the Half-Blood Prince? Why does Snape Yeah, call the movie it? doesn't explain this at not all. As, not doesn't explain it, uh, not even a little bit. Um, so the Half-Blood Prince, we find out, and it's revealed that it is Snape in the movie yeah. and the book. Uh, and we find that out because Harry tries to use Sectum Separa against him. He's like, don't use my spell against me in the movie. Um, uh, but what the Half-Blood Prince actually is, or why he called himself mm-hmm. that, where that title came from. Uh, so Snape's mother was a witch. His yes. father was a muggle, which makes him a half-blood yes. by wizarding world categorizing. Yeah, yeah how they categorize things. Uh, like but her maiden name was Prince. Yes. So this is Snape really clinging to the quote-unquote pure part of his bloodline. Yes. Um, and there's a lot in the book about them trying to figure out what that means that we don't mm-hmm. get in the movie. Yeah, Hermione does a lot of research. She does a lot of research and looking for people. And she does mention it once in the movie about, like, I looked up and I couldn't find anybody with that title or anything yeah. like that. But in the book, she looks up and she finds some people. She actually finds Snape's She's, mom. Yeah, she finds his and mom. And doesn't realize what it is. She goes, mm-hmm. I found Eileen Prince. Uh, that She could be the half-blood prince. And ultimately, we find out that she was close, just like one person, like one generation <laughs> off. Uh, it was Snape. But yeah. Uh, that's what the Half-Blood Prince is. Movie doesn't explain it at all, really. Uh, again, that's kind of one of those things where they're like, hope you read the books. Or if not, too bad. As always, thank you guys for answering my muggle questions. If you are interested in a new podcast, my radio show, the KCMQ Morning Shag, has a best of podcast. We talk pop culture, try to be funny. You can subscribe to it wherever you get your podcast, or you can listen to it now at KCMQ.com. Thanks, guys. That was it for our muggle questions. Thank you, Trevor. They were lovely, as always. Hope we cleared some things up for you. Let's wrap it up with some general discussion and then our final verdict. So, <laughs> we talk, this is interesting. In the first chapter of this book, the book makes it clear that Sirius... Yeah. Is not a British name because I, as a dumb American, never knew as a kid if Sirius was just like a British name that I didn't know. But it's not. It's a wizard thing because the human prime minister, which this is weird. Explain this to me. In the book, they she writes it as he says Sirius, and she writes it as S E R, like the word Sirius, uh-huh. implying that he doesn't know. That what the name Sirius is. Yeah. But you say them the same. Right. So when Fudge says Sirius Black to him, instead of connecting it to this name, he connects it to the word Sirius. Okay. I The way it read to me in the book seemed very strange. And the name Sirius is a myth reference. Oh, okay, it's not him saying it, it's him thinking it. Yeah. Okay. So it says, Fudge had started ranting about a prison the Prime Minister had never heard of, a man named quote-unquote Sirius Black. Okay. I thought he had said that line out loud in my memory of this moment, and mm-hmm. so I was like, but you would say those the same. But yeah, I see. Yeah. We're, we're, we're viewing his thoughts, and he was thinking the word Sirius. Okay. Yes. Okay. But yes, but anyways, my, my original point stands. Sirius is a wizard name, not a... <laughs> Not a British name. I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> it's a it's a reference to the, the right. constellation, yeah, the dog. The dog. Yeah. 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 So if anybody out there watches The Good Place, yes, we do. Slughorn is Tahani. He is. He's just always the, the name dropping. Name dropping. He's got to know all the coolest, most amazing people, 
and he's got to name drop him. Got to let everybody else know that yes. he knows all the coolest, most amazing people. If you're not watching The Good Place, you should be. Yeah, you really it's should amazing. be. <laughs> this always bugged me every time I've read this book, and it did again this time. Harry says he tells that he recounts Malfoy breaking his nose uh-huh. on the train. He recounts that to Ron. And then the line after that in the book says, it was a mark of strength in their friendship that Ron didn't laugh. You know. And I'm like, at at the story of your mortal enemy stomping on your face, your best, you're surprised your best friend didn't find that hilarious? You know, I will say that Ron is a little bit of a jerk. Sure. But. He broke his, he stomped on his face and broke his nose. And Harry's like, ooh, you know how I know we're friends? He didn't think Malfoy breaking my nose was the funniest thing in the world. I don't disagree. That's such a weird line to me because it never struck yeah, me as that. because you're not a jerk. It would never would have struck me that something that Ron would ever laugh at. Like that, I don't know. I, it was weird. I, I thought that line was weird. I don't like it. It's weird. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, you know what makes a whole lot of sense in the movies that the books never mention? Uh, footrests on the brooms. It is really true. They are in the movies, and the book never talks yeah. about it, and it does make a lot it of sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. I remember thinking they looked dumb, but it totally makes sense. I remember when yeah. I first watched the movies, I was like, what? why do they without foot the footrests, you would just have dangle to, there. Yeah, your legs would just dangle, and you would have to like constantly keep, keep, them up. keep your muscles contracted yeah. to hold yeah. your legs up. The footrests, you're right. Makes totally a whole makes lot sense. of sense. Totally makes sense. So love potions or date rape drugs? Discuss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also thought this was maybe the least woke thing Hermione has ever said. She has this line in the book. She says, love potions aren't dark or dangerous. Oh, but they are. It's like, but, yup, nope, they are. This is literally, they are, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's problematic it's to say problematic, the least. And I disagree with the way the story, both the book and the movie, kind of puts this on like, oh, girls. it's girls that yeah. use love potions. Girls are always wanting to use love potions. Right. Because sorry, not sorry. Yeah. But love potions are date rape drugs, and that's a dude that's thing. That's a dude thing. I mean, even just statistically, that's yeah. a dude thing. <laughs> like, yeah, it is absolutely um, so trying to coerce somebody into being in a relationship with you generally tends to fall on one pers- pers- yeah. particular uh, yeah genre of human being. <laughs> Not like, usually women. I like that genre of human being. I'm going to yeah. start saying that instead of gender. There you go. Genre instead of gender. Uh, so we finally get an answer yes. to a question that we've been asking since book two. Yes. And we get it more in seven because they talk about it more in book seven, I recall. But we find out in this one that uh, Dumbledore explains that they can tell that when the ministry, when underage wizards use magic, that the ministry can track that to the area, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily to who cast it, which was my question from the first one. And the book explicitly makes answers the point I had about. So like wizards, like underage wizards living in a wizard home could just use magic and they would be fine. And Dumbledore says, and they leave it up to the parents to enforce yeah. that. And I'm like, so bullshit. So like all those kids just do magic whenever they want. Yeah. So the, basically the answer to how underage magic is policed is that it only is for muggle borns. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like the most strict of wizard parents. Like, yeah. but no, absolutely not. Yeah, that's and so yeah, you're uh, you're definitely at a uh, a bit of a, a a leg up if you're born in a wizard mm-hmm. house because you can practice magic. Yeah. On yeah. during your vacation, whereas muggles cannot. And there's definitely um, uh, there's a, a, the implication of like that kind of injustice inherent in the system. Yeah, there. Yeah, definitely. So, I guess it's an issue that I have with both the book and the movie. <laughs> yeah, but like in the memory, when Dumbledore goes to the orphanage, he sets the wardrobe on fire to yeah. demonstrate magic, that he can do that magic. He's a wizard. And, like, it seems to me like a weird choice to do something really dark and destructive in front of a kid that you already know to have dark and destructive tendencies. Yeah. Like, why would that be the thing you did? Yeah. Maybe, like, make a dove appear yeah. or something. I don't know. Something nice. <laughs> something nice and sweet. Not like, yeah, you want to see what we can do? <laughs> Fucking light your shit on fire. Yeah, it is a, it's a little strange. It's a little strange. Uh, and also, uh, so finally, my, as my last note, I want to include a couple things here. Uh, first, I want to we'll have a link at some point on social media to a really interesting article, not article, it's a blog post technically, mm-hmm. uh, called In Defense of Horse Slughorn. Uh, it's by a comedian that I, uh, I'm a big fan of. His name's Eli Bosnick. He has a, a blog where he writes on all kinds of things. He's a big Harry Potter fan. One of the things that he wrote a blog post about was horse slughorn i don't necessarily it's an interesting read i'll Mm -hmm. say that it's a very interesting perspective and take on horse slughorn uh i I would highly recommend listening to it and checking out i don't necessarily think it it's it's not like you shouldn't read it and be like well that's yep that's right horse slughorn is the most brave person in the harry potter series i'm not saying i necessarily i don't think he's even arguing that necessarily it's sort of more of like a but it's it's an interesting interpretation and argument. Yes, about horse slughorn. So in defense of horse slughorn, if you Google that combined with uh, Eli Bosnick, but we'll also we'll link it. Yeah, at we'll some link point. it. Uh, so check that out. And then finally, we just watched this the other night. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll link this as well yeah. at some point. Um, a YouTube content creator that we like a lot. Yes, movies with Mikey. Yes, uh, just put out part one. Of a, a three-part a, a series, three-part Harry Potter series. Yes, um, we watched it last night. It's really good. Yeah, um, lots of great, interesting information and insight. Yes, uh, and movies with Mikey. It's on the YouTube channel is Film Joy, and it's a series within that channel. But it's called Movies with Mikey. It's one of our favorite, uh, like YouTube film. Mm-hmm essay series uh, out there um it's really he's really really good uh he's also really good at giving you the feels like yeah the way he edits the music and everything it's just really 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 awesome uh and it's the first part he has a really good episode specifically about prisoner of azkaban uh independently mm-hmm. uh, that came out like a year ago or whatever um but this is a whole series about harry potter and it's really awesome so go check that out um he already has millions of subscribers so it's not like we're gonna give him a huge bump, but I mean, I'm just yeah. saying, if he you're looking for need us to plug yeah, him, but if we're you're going looking to for more anyway. quality Harry Potter content, <laughs> go check that out. All right, final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first, verdict afterwards. Book's better. Yeah, are we bothering with this pretense we're, any we're longer? Not. Yeah, we're not. Um, no, we're not. Yeah, we and you know. It is what it is. Uh, but yeah, it, this is uh, maybe the best adaptation so far. It's up there. It's a really good one. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's not a bad adaptation. They did a pretty good job. It's well shot. It makes most mostly makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's uh, some definitely some little details that are 
There's some iffy stuff, but by and large, it is followable. Yes. And it looks cool. And it's fun. Yeah. And interesting. So yeah, it's 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 not the worst of the of the Harry Potter films by any stretch. So <laughs> ringing endorsement. endorsement. No, I I did enjoy it quite Harry a bit. Harry Potter I, and the Half Blood Prince. It's not the worst one. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. No, and I really did. I, I I did quite enjoy it. So uh that's gonna do it for harry potter and the half-blood prince this turned out about the length of the rest of them have been which is about how long they're all yep. gonna be so uh if you can do us a favor and rate review us on itunes stitcher anywhere else you download our delightful little podcast uh you can also catch us on all of the social media facebook instagram goodreads twitter uh we have a subreddit yeah that's it so those <laughs> all those places and if you're looking for some of the things we talked about earlier with the youtube or the the, the indefensive horse slughorn you will find those on our social media so check them out there harry potter and deathly hollows part one is the next one we're gonna so have, now we have to start reading well we're gonna have a prequel yes we that have a covers prequel. the book and both movies yes and then we're gonna have part one episode and then a part two episode oh is that how week. we're doing yes. it ah okay that is how we're doing it there we go i have to make sure i tell trevor to read go quicker than he would with the movies so normally he's been waiting two weeks and now he has to go two in a row so anyway just this one time just this one time he'll just be fine one time. he was way ahead of us on six he gave us he gave us those questions way ahead of time so he's he's ahead of the game anyways uh until that time comes next week uh guys gals non-binary everybody else keep reading books keep watching movies and keep being awesome every single genre of human every genre of human all of you keep doing the thing keep doing it 